Today is Friday, April 14th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Let's talk about military chaplains um, and our understanding and maybe my bad understanding of the military chaplains and what their jobs and roles are. Um, are, the, are Christian chaplains able to fulfill their faith while serving their duty as a chaplain? Um, which is going to get into understanding of military chaplains, which <laughs> maybe not many of us do. Uh, new Clubhouse updates, which just frustrate my world. Um, if you care about that, that's the app we use to host. So if you ever want to join a, dis- uh, a discussion live and ask questions about it, um, you'll want to join the Clubhouse app, which increasingly is making my life harder and harder. Next up, we talk about snakes. And what's the biggest size or what's the minimum size that a, a snake could eat my newly purchased puppy? Um, just curious about that. So a little bit about snakes. Then we get to good stuff. All right, that takes up like 20 minutes. Then we talk about finite crimes for infinite punishment. Uh, when people say, how can God send someone to hell because they only commit crimes in this world and then they're punished infinitely for finite crimes? There's no reason to think sins or crimes are going to stop once someone is in hell. So we talk about that. Then we have really good discussion with our guest, Andrew. I don't think I've talked to him before, but uh, we we hit all the big topics. Um, so you're going to have to stay tuned and listen to that, but it is really a good discussion. And then we end up talking about whether or not cats have souls and eat ours out of our heads or if we share a oneness with a hive mind or something like that. Anyway, but the uh, the discussion is really good. Great way to end a week. So have an awesome Friday. Have an awesome weekend. Check out the Ask a Christian book available on Amazon. And check out the Ask a Christian store. The links are all in the description of the podcast. And you can also support this podcast by just uh, sending money to PayPal. That would be super awesome. Um, Take care and share this link with everyone you know. See you soon. All right. Well, I guess guess I've... I wanted to say learn something. I haven't learned anything. I still don't know how this works. But anyways, and we have, it's funny. Like we have more people now than usually when I just start the regular room. So, you know, maybe there's something to it. Mm-hmm. All right, Sean, how was yesterday? Any firestorms going on? Uh, no, we did the uh, gospel of, of uh, Mark chapter nine uh, on yesterday. Uh did our prayer chapel, our prayer chapel last evening yesterday? I had to start a a house so I could do the prayer chapel. So it was an hour late and starting normally at six o'clock hour, but we still was able to do the discipleship prayer at seven in the morning, and so that 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 went smoothly. Um, yeah, so and, I was gonna do a. I was going to do the, I keep wanting to call them hangouts like we did in, in the Google days, but I keep wanted, I, I wanted to do one yesterday because I had to drive like an hour to pick up this dog and I uh, thought that'd be a good way to keep myself entertained. And um, yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> hey, mate, I have a question. Sure. What's up, Jamie? So you're familiar with the concept of a military chaplain, I'm sure. Um, uh, yes. Do you th- do you think a true Christian, like not like a like a mainline Christian or like a Anglican or something, but like uh, somebody who upholds like the pillars of Christianity, can be a military chaplain? Yeah, totally. So you can you can be an authentic Christian and facilitate the spiritual needs of somebody outside of your faith, even like directly opposed to your faith. Um, well, that's a little different question. Like, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand they have like all types of faith and 
like I think atheist chaplains, however that works, uh, specifically to cater people of their own faith. So like if I were a Christian chaplain, I'd be like, uh, yeah, Jesus all day. And if someone's like, oh, I'm a Muslim, I'd be like, oh, here's the card for the, the you know, whatever the Muslim chaplain is. Like, I, I mean. Yeah, so that, that was not my experience when when I was in the chaplain was some form of Christian, but he was required to fulfill the spiritual needs of like pagans or Muslims or whoever. So that they didn't oh, okay. have, they, they did have individual services. Like if you were a Lutheran, they had a Lutheran service, but like a, a generalized chaplain is expected to fulfill the needs of anybody. And I'm trying to figure out how that would work if, uh, oh, okay. Well, in that case, a, yeah, I mean, in that case, I mean, maybe I'd be a bad one. Maybe I'd get fired or something. But I'd be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's Jesus. That's the answer. If they're like, well, I'm not really a Christian. Then I'd be like, okay, well, that's my answer. If you want the true answer, talk to me about that. If you just want some blase, like, you know, a half glass full, like, you know, sort of halfway answer, then I don't know, give them some, like, Joel Osteen thing. And be like, life is good. You're a beautiful star. See the best in everything. The world is your oyster. Um, but if I'm like, hey, if you want what I really think your spiritual need is, that's Jesus. Sorry about your faith. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's how I would, in my mind, imagine it going. And, you know, they'd probably be like, oh, you can't do that. You can't say that. I'm like, okay, well, then fire me. Here's the thing. When I was, uh, when I was in the Army, uh, and I served during the time of the Gulf War all the way to 93, uh, I'm sorry, 94, and while I was serving, the ch- every chaplain I had was a Christian. I had a, my um, when I was in the when I was at Fort uh, Bliss, Texas, the chaplain just happened to be Church of the Nazarene, but he still talked to me because you know I got I had uh, charismatic leanings, so he's talk to me in that mode but he was and then when I when I really need some help I got sent to the main chaplain on base and he he was a uh, he was somewhere between Baptist and Pentecostal I couldn't really make it out at the time but he helped meet the need and sat down and have a good had a good conversation with me <laughs> so yeah uh, so I, I I know that the uh, most of the chapters that I know of and back in the day, they in the military they were all Christian. Yeah, every chaplain I met was a Christian as well. I can't imagine, especially in like today, I I can't possibly imagine that that every like I would think they'd have to have like a chapter for or a chapter a chaplain for like every single thing. <laughs> It wasn't that way when I when I said. Well, you probably served <laughs> during a normal time. <laughs> so, Chris, how about your uh, military experience? I have how zero. <laughs> how would you uh, How would you fare as a military chaplain? Do you think? Poorly. What was that? Probably not real well. Ah. Chris, did you get to watch that Religion for Breakfast video? I did. I'm weighted on bated knee. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. I mean, that's a good crew. I like that. I might start listening to that.
But Chris, you have to be here every day. There were things that he said that reminded me of things Chris had said. So I, I thought it was uh, particularly like on point to have that conversation with Chris. Maybe, maybe we do it another time, but I, I enjoyed yeah, it's it's there's a there's a lot of good stuff that I caught in in there. So, but yeah, we can we can talk about it a different time. You can play it for. Well, sir and Stephanie, welcome. What's up? How you been? How you been? Good morning. Good morning. I've been pretty good. How are you? Well, I got a new dog, and I'm instantly regretting it. All all the um, <laughs> it's like the just kidding, dog. It's it's fine. Don't, don't cry. Daddy didn't mean it. Um, you know, if you could have a cat the size of the dog, the corresponding dog, with the dog's personality, maybe, maybe toned down a little, um, that would be, I think, the perfect animal. Um, but a dog with a dog personality? I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's weird. Can we work on that? Can we have those? Can we request those in heaven, Chris? A dog with a cat's no, a cat the size of a dog with a. So I guess really a cat, just with a happier personality and bigger. There you go. It took a lot to get that out, didn't it, Nate? <laughs> I'm, I'm streaming line of consciousness here. I'm just thinking all the good, right? Because I had these cats, and these things—they're looking at me right now. They're judging me. One's trying to eat my soul, and the other one's like judging me hard. And Ooh, look, look, I'm like, what you just did. <laughs> I know they'll they'll be better. They're like they're like, why why master why are you doing this? This is unfair. And I'm like, uh, I'm like it's fine. Just trust that I have your best interests at heart. This will all make sense in the end. We're gonna be we're gonna work towards a cohesive family unit. Like it's not fair. I hate you and you don't exist. Otherwise, why would you give me the why would you give me the trial of this large thing that's like sneezing and snotting and drooling all over the place? I'm like, you are not, <laughs> were you there when I formed the foundation of picking this thing up and paying this stupid adoption fee? No, you were not. All right, I'm just going to stop. Okay, because you didn't sound like Joe. <laughs> sort of like a really bad, a really bad rendition of it. Oh, goodness. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, you know, all analogies break down at a point, but I mean, really, you've, you've got me who is very clearly not God. I can't even come up with an analogy without messing it up. But then you've got this dog that's just the dumbest thing. And then you've got cats that are slightly smarter, um, but still not super bright. Um, I, I don't know. It's an interesting, uh, interesting comparison. I don't know, Nate. Maybe you just have dumb animals. I mean, you know, dumb owner, <laughs> dumb, dumb animals. I, I, that's fine. See, I can, I can admit when I'm, when I'm wrong. Uh, Maybe I am just dumb. What, and that's what I attract. You just, uh, what kind of uh, dog did you get? Uh, rescue. Um, trying to, you know, trying to do God's work. Um, that's right. So mm. it's, a, it's like a little terrier mix with like a little dachshund, I guess, in it. It's like a 25 uh. pound. Um, Oh, oh, that's that's nice, dog. He's he's bar trying to bark at the lizard man on TV. Maybe you should become Doctor Doolittle. 
I clearly, if I could speak to animals, that'd be great. But like, hey, don't poop in, <laughs> don't poop in my bedroom. Talk with the animals. Talk with the animals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I could talk with them, that that'd make everything better. So a little twenty-five pound canine terrorist. I, <laughs> I I was told by someone I just need to keep making points that it's definitely better than Chihuahuas because they are the dog of the devil. So I was told by someone. Huh? Them little things? <laughs> Yo quiero Taco Bell. Well, Chris was telling me Albie had one, and I guess is is very, it's like his pride and joy. So I guess, I guess making fun of <laughs> Chihuahuas. I don't know. I have never owned a dog. I have owned a couple of cats back in you the day. You want to? No. <laughs> No, because they do things that they ain't supposed to do. Pee everywhere, defecate on 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 your on your on your luggage. No. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're trying very hard to, uh, you know, he's already a year old. Like, like we wanted a puppy, but apparently, like uh, rescue places, like they never have small dogs. Uh, like getting a puppy is hard enough, but like getting small puppies. I guess is impossible. So this is like the smallest dog they had. And I'm like, look, uh, we need a small dog. I had a Rottweiler before. We don't want to go that route again. That's that's too, that's too big. Like it was great having a big dog, but you know everything's bigger, including the stuff you got to scoop up every day. And uh, then when he got older, like it was it was really difficult uh, to you know lift his big butt like up in the car and stuff like that when he couldn't walk and hump up there himself. So I'm like, yeah, we we need to go the other route this time. So we did. Wait, Chris has a ticket? A what? what? A, a speeding ticket? No, a ticket on his profile. Oh, what does that mean? That means that he was not a member of Ask Christian. Chris, that's a thing. You sinner, you. Does that mean that you're going to have to start, um, like, in order to see this stuff in your hallway, like, be, be like, members of the the club or the house or whatever yes. that is yes. that is so stupid if you don't know about it how are you going to find it like how well, can people how can well, just randos i take you i take that if you make the room public like you did uh, um then everyone can see it but um to see like your rsvps to see like any announcements that you put on your wall only people inside ask a christian can see that okay so uh chris you need to go ahead and uh, make that right yeah, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Nate, tap on his PTR, and uh, you should get a pop down that says "Invite Chris to Ask a Christian." Uh, no. I see one that says "Block." I wonder what that does. There's a, there's a, this is Ooh. your chance to not to not invite me. <laughs> I've invited you to Discord. I've invited you everywhere I can invite you. All right, let me see if I have any invitations, and I'll invite Chris. Oh, like that thing, the little message box, like how you have to, like, send them an invite, like it's like, you're cordially invited to join my weird internet room. No. Oh. No. You're so cute, though. Um, well, Chris, I don't I'm not sure how to accept. You'll get a 
notification. Yeah, Vic just turned to someone. It didn't work. It didn't work? You're not elect. That, He's not that elect. Means that, that means that uh, uh, an admin of the house has you blocked. I, I'm the only admin, I think. <laughs> I mean, clearly he's not blocked. Chris. He's in here. Oh, here comes Victoria <laughs> to set us right. Oh, oh that's sorry, thing. Chris. Uh, you may have to like uh, leave the room and come back again, and that ticket would be taken off. Oh, oh everyone's got tickets. Or don't come no, back again. There we Mark, go. Mark has a ticket. So this is you like telling on yourselves. Like, if someone has a ticket, that means like they're they're not a true follower. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm a follower because I got, I, I, there's no ticket with me. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, jo I RSVP'd and joined the lounge. <laughs> All right. Uh, there he is. Oh, Fury. What's up, Fury? How are you doing today? I'm okay. Huh. Have you made sense of this new clubhouse mess? Yeah, it's not that confusing to me. Well, but it's okay. I've used Clubhouse a long time. I mean, me too. But Plus, I have an iPhone, update, like, so I don't know if you people are using Androids. What do you mean by you people? Uh, well, the iPhone update came like three days ago, so. Yeah, it's Android. You people. When I say you people, it's like a, it's like I'm on a mountaintop looking down and saying, hey, you people, there's an update coming. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys. This is not electric company, sir. We sound really gentle. <laughs> I pied for your sins. <laughs> God. <laughs> I see there'll never be a dull moment with Fury. <laughs> yeah, tell you what, that's that, one uh, way of putting That AJ guy is wild. <laughs> is he as wild as Chris? AJ is Chris is pretty wild. He's as wild as the prophet back in the day, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. So there's Sorry. this Muslim guy that's like a friend of ours, and uh, he's not obnoxious. Well, he's obnoxious, but just not about that. But he, um, <laughs> he we just we just constantly give him a hard time, and, and he takes it real well. It's fine. Yeah, he does take it pretty well. He's all the time threatening to blow stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> like for like funny, like or like yes, yes, like. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if you say. <laughs> Um, Here, I'll show you one gonna, of the things that I'm going to get on my vest and go kaboom. <laughs> watch, watch my PTR for a second, okay? Watch. This is, see if you get it. Are you putting up the... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, bad humor. Yeah. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> Jamesy, is that a Chihuahua or a Chihuahua mix? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Hey, Michael, welcome. 
How big Hola. does a snake have to be to eat a 25-pound dog? Um. Oh, that's a big dog. Um, but there are, yeah, there there are several species that could. I mean, I'd say anything over about kind of like 10, 12 feet probably could. Any any of the invasive Burmese you've got in the Everglades there could probably do it. Oh yeah, I mean of course, uh, like a python could. I was just wondering, kind of like a, a minimum, like uh, could like a, I mean like a five foot snake certainly couldn't. No, no, no. So like, I, a, no. So like I, a ten a ten foot would probably be minimum. Well, it it depends. So so essentially, so the the kind of rule of thumb is that a, is that a snake has the capacity to swallow something about twice their own body weight and three times the diameter of their head. Oh, okay. Like that, that's a general rule of thumb. Like there are the, like, it, there are unfortunate stories. It doesn't happen a lot, but there are unfortunate stories of um, like in uh, M- Malaysia where there are reticulated pythons, which are the longest snakes in the world. And in South, uh, South America where the anacondas are, you know, taking children swimming in the water. Um, so it, it, it can happen. Yeah. Like occasionally we'll see like a different note, like a Florida man like jumps in after like alligators. Like I guess that's more of a big thing here. Like a dog is getting eaten by alligators. So occasionally you'll see the headlines like Florida man dives into lake and, uh, you know, beats alligator overhead, rescues dog. <laughs> yeah, I, like that you are much more uh, at risk from being killed by an alligator or, or a crocodile than you are from a large snake. Um, like, like they like where like, so snakes are ambush predators. So they wait until you're basically right on top of them. Like no, like a snake will not pursue you to try to get you. It'll just sit there and wait. All snakes, pretty much. Wait, what about yeah. like cottonmouths? Like, don't cottonmouths have like a reputation for like chasing people? Or maybe that's after the fight's already started. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's there there isn't a snake that hunts man. It just doesn't happen. Um, well, I mean. I mean, you know, not, not to mince words, like not one of those things where like a snake is hunting you, but like, you know, if the end result is I don't want to get bit by a snake, like, well, it's not hunting you. It was just, you know, chasing you to defend itself. Like, you know, I don't care about any of that. I care if I get bit or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, now there, it, I guess kind of the one exception um, is uh, our, our black mambas from, uh, from Africa, because um, they actually have been, uh, they're fiercely protective of their of their territory, which is one of the only snakes in the world that is. Um, and it, then you're in trouble because they have a ground speed of about 25 kilometers an hour. Uh, so about 12, 13 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So they can, they can run, they can run down a person. Good. You know, my, I, I kind of made, I never really was a snake fan, but I, I kind of made peace with them, like living in Florida. Cause you kind of have to. Oh yeah. Um, you've got, you've got coral snakes and stuff there. Yeah, but so like when we, you know, when we first moved here, I joined one of these Facebook groups that's like, you know, helps you identify like all the snakes and stuff. So I mm-hmm. learned enough about them to, to generally get an idea of what could be venomous or not. But then there's some like, you know, diamondbacks, cottonmouths, like they're so close that if you just like see them at night or something, like they, they all look dark. So you, you can't really identify patterns super easy. So that, yeah. that's, I'm like, well, look, if it's clearly like a black snake or like, you know, like a, a red, like, you know, corn snake or something, I'm like, okay, you guys are cool. Um, mm-hmm. Or like those little ribbon snakes, like those are actually kind of kind of comical, like their eyes are way bigger than their face. Um, mm. But yeah, so my, my biggest thing now is like just some venomous snake. 
Um, yeah, I mean, but like, like so, for example, in Florida, you've got you've got coral snakes, which are elapids, like they're members of the cobra family. They're really their venom is very very toxic, but they're but they're generally pretty placid animals. Like, and, and unless you step on one or deliberately try to mess with one, it's just going to leave the, you alone. Yeah, see, that's the thing because everyone acts like it's the human. They're like, hey, if you don't mess with it, it's not going to mess you. Like, unless I'm like, well, of course I'm going to be one of the unless. Like, if I see this thing. I'm not going to go anywhere near these snakes, like, you know, even yeah, the cute ones. Um, yeah, so it's like what would happen is I'm walking around my yard and, you know, step on a leaf that I'm not paying attention to. And then I get bit and they're like, well, you disturbed. I don't care. I'm not trying to mess with it. It was totally an accident. But the result is got bit. <laughs> yeah, there are there, there are pictures uh, like there are some really some of the really famous ambush predators. Like there's the um, there's the Bushmaster and the Fairdolance. Um which are native to South America and also the West African gaboon viper. And oh. both of those have really bad reputations. So the gaboon vipers fangs are over two inches long. Um, and basically whatever it bites you, even if you might live, whatever it, whatever it got bit, like your foot or your hand or something is getting amputated um, because it's venom is incredibly necrotic. So it just kills tissue. Um, I, I could send you pictures of them buried in leaf litter no way could you identify the snake. Goodness. Like they, uh, they are, they're camouflage experts. Uh, to, to River's point, no, you're a safe river. No rattlesnakes will be handled in this room. Well, uh, so Michael, <laughs> two questions. One, when you become a snake enthusiast of like yeah. you know, pythons or ball pythons or any snake, does that yeah. automatically mean you're in the fan club and now you have to learn uh, stuff about all snakes? Or no, is that just no, a, not uh, a hobby no. you have. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just something that I've always been intrigued with. Um, like for example, another uh, uh, you're probably familiar with the guy named on Clubhouse named Johnny Haas. I'm not. Um, oh, okay. He's a, a Christian and he he frequents a lot of the same rooms that I that I do. Anyway, um, he he also keeps ball pythons. Um, and he actually, when we started chatting, he saw my my profile picture. He's like, oh, he's like, I have a question. I have this kind of python, and I I have a question about it. So um, he, he's a snake guy. He's been keeping snakes a long time. But, you know, keeping snakes isn't necessarily, a, a, you know, the kind of the, the entry fee into having to become, you know, knowledgeable about all things snakes. I just happen to really like them. I see. And to River's point, uh, you know, there is a difference in faith and also, you know, being wise. So uh, <laughs> I like to think it is generally, you know, wisdom. Uh, you know, it's, it's also kind of like sort of related to like when people are like, why don't you like flying on airplanes? If you die, you'll just be in heaven, right? Don't you have faith? Don't you believe in your sky daddy God? I'm like, no, no, I totally do. But there's a difference in, you know, dying like, in, you know, when I'm like 106, quietly at peace, comfortable in my own bed versus, you know, um, on the way to meet God, falling 50,000 feet into a, you know, ocean full of infested sharks. Um, so, you know, it's not just like dying. By the way, if you notice, like uh, whenever, whenever you used to, you know, you used to maybe get like sick or something like some, uh, I, I don't know, some sort of like a flu or something that had the potential of being life threatening. And uh, you used to think, no, I can't, I can't die. I have so much to do. I have a career. Ah, I have to get better. I have to get better or some other life, potentially life ending deal. Um, and, and like the older I get, I'm like, you know, when these things happen, like, uh, you know, I got like the flu pretty bad a while ago. And um, I'm like, geez, this, this like could be rough. Like it was bad. And, um, I'm like, you know, it would just be easier just to just to go. I'm like, I'm ready. I, I have nothing. I mean, you know, like family and stuff like that. Obviously, you want to be here for. But I'm like, no, I'm, I'm at peace with it. It's going to happen someday. It, it would be easier. And I think the older we get, um, it's just like, 
yeah, I get it. When people are like really old and they just like don't seem to care at all whether they live or die, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, I think there's a, a is that too a, morbid? Do we need happy? Do you sing a song, Michael? <laughs> no, I I think there's I think there's a fine line to be walked. Uh, but but I, one thing, and I think um, at least I found this to be pretty true. If if you spend if you spend your if you spend all your time worrying about dying, living isn't very much fun. So, you know, I mean, I, you know, what, you know, when, when is my ticket going to get punched? No clue. Um, I'd like to think I've got, you know, kind of as much time as I've already, you know, like, or, you know, like another like 30, you know, maybe 40 years. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I could get hit by a bus walking across the street tomorrow. Who knows? Um, but, but yeah, like just because, just because it could happen doesn't mean you, you know, I don't think you should invest a lot of time in it. I mean, otherwise you're never going to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And Chris is a lot closer to expiring than we are. So Chris, what do you, uh, what are your words? What are you talking about? Chris is younger than I am. Oh, I actually didn't know he is younger than you, but I was, I was joking anyway. Chris yeah. is younger than, or older, wait, just, younger. How do you? more like the grumpy old man. You're like my well, cat. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be, so next month I'll be 52. So in August I'll be fifty-one. So it yeah. looks like I was I was a year younger than Michael. Yeah. Huh. I'm just much younger at heart. That's true. <laughs> oh, I'm Chris has the soul of. I, I don't know. I I don't want to make fun of you, Chris. No, go ahead. We were, we already gave you too much trouble over your uh, car the other day. I mean, I didn't really. I just stood back and laughed at the cool kids. That's okay. I did a uh, the, the the next day. I saw Chris in a room, and I and I did a welfare check on him, so he's okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I, I I'm getting a kitchen instead of a car now. So my wife is like, "Well, let's put off the car." I'm like, well, okay. Oh, I just saw that pop up. You were talking about Victoria. Yeah. It. I was just clicking on someone and it popped up, but then I clicked on someone else and it didn't. Oh, there's Pastor Mark, who has a ticket. Yeah, feel free to jump up and join us, people. Otherwise, you're talking about, like, what, snakes and kitchens and cars? Oh, uh, kitchens are a pain in the butt. We redid ours um, uh, end, ending part of uh, last year. Ugh, uh, pain, 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 pain. Uh, one of the hardest things is and I'm not sure where it'll be like where, where you guys are, but just with supply chain with supply chain issues, we were just waiting for widgets to finish things. And so it's like, oh yeah, this, you know, so you go and you, you go to wherever you're going to buy the things you're buying, cap, you know, cabinets, countertops, whatever. Uh, and you're like, oh yeah, well, so here's, you know, here's my order. Okay, well, you know, here's all the stuff that's here, and here are the four widgets that are back ordered because of supply chain issues. And they'll be in them, you know, 245 weeks. Like, what? <laughs> It's ridiculous. Is your kitchen all done now? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. Just like uh, my only advice uh, would be try to stick to things that are like the, whatever supplier, whatever it is you're getting is the most readily available. Because anytime you get into anything that has the word custom in it, it's just this incredible wait time. And that's what we we're waiting for. We're waiting for our, our undermount sink. And, um, uh, that was the that was the longest wait. We we ordered a very specific undermount sink, and it took nine weeks to get. 
Right, hello, Andrew. How are you today? Great. I have questions. Sure. So why can't God write a book? He's supposed to be able to create a whole universe, and he can't write his own book. Well, when you say can't, I just say, well, I mean, I'm sure he very well could, but instead he, you know, just inspired people to do it. So just because people wrote it doesn't mean God couldn't just drop one out of heaven. Well, isn't that the most important word for everybody to know? Well, I would say yes, but also if, you know, if we're going to talk about the Bible like it's, it's true, well, let's talk about it like it's true. So, um, you know, the parts you... Well, if God you, wrote well, it, it would be true, yeah. Oh, well, did... Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and finish. So, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about some of it like it's true to make your case like, you know, bad God, well, then we should talk about the rest of it's like it's true to, you know, to be accurate. So we are told that, I mean, it's ultimate. It's like, you know, the most important thing ever. Um, however, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're uh, like when Jesus tells the parable and they say, Jesus, assuming that this is the most important thing ever, right? Like which we do. Um, why don't you just speak plainly? Because if it's the most important thing to do, you would speak plainly. So all these people don't have any questions. And it's like, for whatever reason, he says, it's God's good pleasure that I speak to this. So like, you know, people like children can understand it. Yet these people that think they're so wise and mighty, um, they miss it. That's why I talk in parables. So on one hand, yes, it is eternally important. But on the other hand, it's not meant for everyone to get. So then when you when you talk about the Bible, like, you know, maybe there's a reason God used man to pin his words instead of just magically, empirically dropping out of the book to be tested for all time. Uh, because some people are not supposed to get it. So some people are supposed to go to hell. I mean, without saying yes, yes. <laughs> what a loving God creates people to go to hell. Well, well that that's your word. Intention, right? So when we talk about there will be people going to hell, it's because we all deserve hell. Every one of us. And so that's then God in his mercy chose An to innocent save born baby deserves to go to hell. Wow. No, you're reading it. You're doing what this guy baptized does. Uh, I, there needs to be a better way because not everyone knows baptized. But you're, you're taking one point and then you're making extraordinary leaps and criticizing those results. That's what, like reductio ad absurdum. So just because Chris is like, yes, babies or you know, people, whatever the first thing was, like God creates some people to go to hell. No one said that. That was your words. The point was some people will go to hell because not everyone will understand it, either because they just can't get it or they reject it or their hardness of heart or whatever. So the, the point we're talking about is some people will be in hell. But then you took that and you went to, so God creates people to go to hell. Well, that's one stretch. And now it ends up with like God creates babies to go to hell or whatever you said. So you made several big leaps and you're criticizing God when the original point of critique was some people will be in hell. So just if we could rein it back there and have that discussion. It's a logical conclusion. That, that's an extreme leap. Mm. And I mean, if we see it differently, then we just disagree. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to stifle conversation. <laughs> Anything else? You're the only one like talking about something God related. I mean, I guess we can talk about snakes again. I don't need to talk about talking snakes for sure. Uh, no, the kind that bite, uh, the kind that bite you and make you consider praying to God. Um, for the uh, record, I mean, you know, if God wants to make an animal talk, He can certainly do it. I mean, you know, if He creates the universe and all this other stuff, then you know, a talking animal or donkey here and there is not a big deal. Right. So, is there a hell? I believe so. And people deserve to go there. 
prefer the theology in the Bible? Yes. Okay, so uh, infinite torture and punishment is just for a finite crime. That is a great point. Um, so if someone wants to read into it, that you know you can only finitely commit crimes or sins in this world because then you die, it would seem that it's unfair to infinitely be punished for that. However, no one says that you commit uh, stop committing crimes or sins in hell. So if you find yourself in this hell place, if you are already opposed or you know espouse a lack of belief in a god or gods here or something like that, or you are opposed or militant anti-theist here, then imagine when you learn God is true and how you're on the wrong side of this and you're in hell being punished by this God. Do you think you'll be like, you know what, I'm so sorry, oops, or that was not fair, you could have told me, you could have dropped some info out of the sky. So like, if you already have a bent against this God or Christianity here on Earth, how much more do you think that's going to be personified in hell? So I don't know why, like there's certainly no evidence in the Bible that would, that would lead to people don't continue sinning in hell. So in that case, it would be people infinitely punished for infinitely committing crimes. So it's a one-to-one. -one. Does God know everything? I believe so. So he knows what I'm going to do before I'm even born. Are you reading a list? No, I'm just making points. Uh, yes, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I think God knows everything you're ever going to do, ever thought about doing before you're even born. So there's no other way for me to do it. Uh, yeah, but you can't blame God for that, because if there was another way for you to do it, you would have already done it. So the fact that you're born and God knows it, um, some would say that matters with free will. I would say the way we're talking about it, it doesn't because whatever choice you would have done before, you know, however God knows this outside time or whatever, um, before you're created, if you're like, you know, decided that a Milky Way over Snickers is your favorite candy bar and that's what you're always going to get. If you ever would have done it different, you would have done it different before you were created. So like at that point in eternity past or whenever you made these decisions to grab, you know, one thing or do one action over another or be a good person versus a bad person or a believer in God versus not, that would have been the time you did that. So you still chose in some way that action. So it's not like you can't, you can't do it different now because your life is already, your life is already done. But you know, if you're like, well, I wish I could have done this differently. If you really wished that you would have wished it back then and done it then. So you would, that would be reflected now. Hope that wasn't too much of a quantum leap episode for you. Basically, there's no excuse. So you can't say, oh, I can't do it now because I already made the decision. Well, if you would have really wanted to do it now, you would have made the decision to do it now, back, and that would be playing out now. Are you so following? why is there a judgment day if God already judged me before I'm born? To make it official? Like right now, there's, I mean, have you, have you, have you like, I mean, you know, these are my human words, but I mean, if you, I, I just assume you've read the Bible. So, you know, like the judgment day, you know, the white throne, all this stuff, like we're, it's empirical, God's right in front of your eyes and everyone else. So, I mean, if that hasn't happened yet, well, we're told that day is coming. So like if you've like, you know, been been judged or God knows your end result, you don't. I mean, you can say, I'm, I'm going to be an anti-theist or against Christianity or whatever till the day I die. Well, you don't know that. I mean, God knows that, but you don't. You could change 20 years from now. You could change right now. Um, so right now you can't say I've been judged or God or you can say God knows, but you don't know. So I don't know, consider it the big reveal, like a baby reveal or a new house reveal. Like, you know, this will be the day where it's like, oh, crap. Well, I guess this was real. Um. This is the judgment day, so now I know. So can God be wrong? No. Well, then there's no other way to do it. If he knows what I'm going to do, there's no other way it can happen. Well, yeah, because you've already done it. That doesn't mean God, like, 
forced you again. I didn't say ask. that. I didn't say that. Say it again. I never said God forced me to do anything. No, say what you said again then. Maybe I said get God knows what's going to happen, and that means it can't happen any other way. Sure. Okay, we agree on that one. I see what you're saying, but then if, if I can't change anything because God already knows the way it's going to happen, then why am I responsible? Because just because, like, if this goes back to the point earlier. If you want to say you can't change it now because it's already been done, if you really wanted to change, like right now, if you're thinking, oh, I, oh, I missed my chance, I really wish I could change something. Well, if you had that conviction, you would have already done that back, you know, whenever we're talking about the, the pivotal time you this choice happened, you would have already done that. So if you have regrets now, you would have had regrets then, and you would have decided back then, whenever then was, to change, and then you would change now because it's already been done and it's just playing out. Or you've decided, oh, I really regret this. I wish I could change, but no, I'm not going to. So the point is, it's like you've already made all these choices. We've already made all these choices. We've already done our whole lives. God already knows everything. However, it's all been us. So now the, the movie is already playing out. So like, there's, there's basically no way that you're going to regret something to the point where you will not change. Because if you regret something to the point where you will change, you would have already made the decision to change. And the way this, the movie of her life is playing out, you will change because you changed. All right. That's the first time I heard that one. I like it. I like it a lot. Good job. Oh, well, thanks. Repent and believe. <laughs> this, this for the record. See, who, who knows? Tw 20 years from now. I mean, it could be different. This for well, the I can't, I can't repent and believe if I already didn't repent and believe. But if you decided that you wanted to, then you will. So I guess, yeah. you know, just because you've made these choices doesn't even mean you know the choices you made. I guess we will see. But, uh, you know, the Bible says, you know, like the Bible says, you know, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, you know, if someone is able in their position to repent and believe, if that ever happens for you, then you can consider, huh, I must have already decided to do this because now I'm doing it. Uh, what, Michael? I, I said, this has me. been absolutely fascinating to listen to. <laughs> I just love me some new uh, Calvinist Nate. Chris, I preface that just for you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I still didn't hear what Michael said. <laughs> I said, no, this has been absolutely fascinating to listen to. Oh, thank you. It's nice to hear something different for a change, because every time I ask that, no one has answered it the way you did which is absolutely amazing because it makes sense. I'll he's, give you credit. He's had a good teacher, Andrew. Oh okay. <laughs> this is Father Chris. He's the most humble person I know. <laughs> no, that's, I'm, you know, hey, I'll admit it. I'm not going to just argue for the sake of argument. So, but Nate, could we go back to this idea of finite crime infinite punishment because it seems like you you are making a pretty strong claim that like everyone in hell will continue to reject god like do, is that absolutely definitely going to be true or would there be some set of people cuz i feel like if i went to hell i'll be like yo I'm really sorry, you know, like, I get it now, you know, but like, so is, does that make it then now a finite crime and an infinite punishment? Or 
is there some way to be like, I don't know if it's like a sincerely held belief, then you get to just be there temporarily. Well, so, you know, I mean, the, the Bible's my guide. So, you know, we're, it's relatively silent, but I, I get your point. Um, but I would say, you know, it, it was the, it's typically the strongest claim of the person saying there are, you are being infinitely punished for finite crimes. That's typically the strongest claim and its basis isn't the Bible. So I wasn't making a claim that people definitely will continue sinning like full stop. I was just challenging the stronger claim that says they will for, for gotcha. no good reason. Um, so, so I'm on one hand, I'm, I'm not like solid on that claim, but I think if we're going to, you know, if it goes one way or the other, that definitely makes the most sense because I mean, even if someone does change, uh, change their mind or realize, you know, they're going to realize they were wrong and God exists and now they're in hell. Even if they would be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please let me out. Like whenever they realize there is no way out. Um, the, I mean, you know, the Bible is totally silent, but I can't, and uh, you know, I believe the Bible. And if it says, you know, they're there forever and, you know, day and night forever, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like that gnashing of teeth is like a visceral rage. Um, so while I'm not making an absolute claim, um, I think it's very biblically based much more than the other one, because if, even if you're like, okay, I, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. Please let me out. I, I promise I'm sorry. Um, and then you realize that there is no way out. Well, are you going to keep being sorry? Or are you going to be like eternally pissed off? It's like, well, look, I didn't have the evidence I needed. All you had to do was like, give me one little thing. And now I'm sorry. Now I realize it. And now you're not even going to let me out. That's like one of those things how people like try, like all the bad guys in the movie, like when they're like hanging over the ledge, they're like, oh, give me your hand. Just save me. Just save me. And then like, you know, the good guy like does something and they don't totally agree with it. And then they change because it was all like, you know, a facade. And then they like do something totally crazy and they usually fall over a waterfall or something. Like that's kind of how I see that. But like, that's like a self-fulfilling you know, the, prophecy, right? Where, cause if it's like, I'm, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And then you, and then you find out that it's permanent and then now you're mad forever. It's like, well, yeah, because it doesn't make a difference now whether you're mad forever or not, you know? Well, yeah. But whether it's a self, self-fulfilling prophecy or not, I mean, you know, that would still be true to the text. So if the text says it, you know, whether no matter the metric by which it happens, if the text says it and it's true, well, then it's true. Um, no matter how you got there, whether it's self-fulfilling or otherwise. But but the I thing is, is that add something to this. Well, one second, Orchid. Um, what, oh, and you got a new name. Sorry. Um, but uh, I still have that weird picture. Um, Here's the thing is today is the day of salvation. Everyone's telling you right now, you have the ability to repent and believe right now. And, and that's the beauty of the gospel is that, you know, Christ came into a broken world that we had broken with sin. And he gave himself as a sacrifice for us while we were yet sinners. This is how much God loves us is he gave us a way out of the hamster wheel of sin and death. Wait, and I thought you were Calvinist. I am a Calvinist. So he gave and, some and, people a way out. Well, he gave, no, he gave everybody who is going to choose him, he gave a way out. Mm. And, and that, and this is something called compatibilism. It just means that our, our choices that we make uh, are compatible with the sovereign decree of God. So that that's neither here nor there. It just means that everyone on this stage right now can repent and believe. Now, some of us will, some of us won't. That's where that comes in. But but 
the thing about it is that you, River, or you, Andrew, can absolutely, or Michael, can absolutely choose to repent and believe at this moment, and that is compatible with God's sovereign decree. Well, okay. Supposedly, I already way, chose not to. So. Yeah, Chris, well, i no, got to push but back on you. Push well, back on you a little bit there. Well, okay. Because, yeah. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, it is absolutely possible for everybody here right now in their own um, will to repent and believe. Yeah, except that we can't choose to believe. Well, right. But, but going back to, to all y'all's points, <laughs> Michael, Chris, and Andrew, if right now, like Michael and Andrew, for example, you could be like, you know what? I, I quote, choose you know whether that's an in, in, in extra emphasized quotes or not like however you get that whether you choose or whether you can't help it um if you exercise some faith you're like you know what i'm willing to take a chance that the bible is right so whether you you choose to follow that or whether you're just compelled however you get there if someone's like i'm one of these people you know uh, there will be some people in hell like uh, like there's already some people in hell we believe so you know if this is true there's already some people so if not one more person ever went to hell then the Bible is already true. There are some people. Just one is all it takes. So now through some people in hell, that means you can't say, um, I mean, rightly, you can't say, well, I guess I've chose not to believe, so I'm one of these unelected people because, you know, you don't know. So if you can ch say right now, okay, you know what? I, I will exercise faith and I will follow you, this Jesus of the Bible. So, you know, uh, forgive me. Give me this eternal life you say we have to have. Make me this born again thing. I don't really understand it. I don't really know about it. I don't even know about the Trinity, whatever that means, but forgive me. I will repent. I will stop doing what I know I shouldn't do and should just stop anyways. So I will be one of your disciples. Please make it so. So if that's you and you have an ounce of faith that uh, that is you, then that means that now, congratulations, Chris would call you an elect. And uh, that means you would have already made that choice to do that, you know, in eternity past. And that's just playing out right now. So it's kind of like a catch 22. Like there's, there's no, it's, it's basically a way to say you have will and you can exercise your choice. And then if you just need a way to, to logistify it or through logistics, whatever, you can do the thing where you like made your, made your choice in the previous times or whatever. So basically, if you're someone who's like, yes, I repent, I will follow you, make me your disciple, make me born again, give me eternal life, then congratulations that you're one of God's people. If you never, up until your last breath, ever say or believe anything like that, then I guess you never made the choice to follow God because you didn't. Um, so, I mean, as long as there is a breath in your body and you're still kicking, then you can still be one of those people. And it doesn't mean that you, I guess, chose not to uh, follow God. Yeah, but the Bible says that God is the reader of hearts, right? So I yep. can't, so I can't fool him, right? So I, so, so like, because the Bible says, you know, confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, right? So I have the capacity to do one of those. I do not have – well, for, because you can't believe with your heart because the heart's just an organ that pumps blood. But I understand the meaning behind it. But I don't have the capacity to believe something that I'm not convinced of. That's just not possible. So I can do one, but I can never do the other. I just can't. I have to become convinced of the truth of it. Right. And I, I'm saying that I, I think – I don't know if we've been talking past each other for like a year and a half. <laughs> But I would say that right there, like no one's asking you to trick God. I mean, that would be foolish anyway. And no one wants you to brainwash because, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, God is the reader of hearts. So I'm saying somewhere between you're not fully convinced. But this, I mean, this is where, you know, it'd be a faith-based religion. And then people are like, oh, it's a blind faith. No, it's not. Like that initial step, the more you exercise this faith and the more you find it, you know, like get these get these monikers that it, it actually, there is something to it. Then the more it becomes just reasonable expectation at a point 
And that's when people are like, I have faith, but I believe now. Like, you know, I didn't choose it. It just happened. I've been so convinced by the evidence that now it, I would be foolish to go the other way. I'd have to brainwash myself. So similarly, you may not believe God right now. But if someone's like, you know what? There could be. It's not like I'm going to convince myself or brainwash myself. It's like, maybe there is something to these Christians. Maybe there is something to this God. I will choose not to believe because you can't choose your beliefs, but I will choose to, you know, follow some of these things. I will choose to pray to this God and be like, hey, if you're there, this Jesus in the Bible that I've read about, um, you know, you say this. Your book, if it's your words, says this. We must repent. We must be born again. We must have eternal life. If you're real, I, I want to do these things. I want to know it. And, you know, start putting some of these practices in the Bible, uh, you know, because you don't have to believe it, whether or not, like on its face. Like if you if you think um, whatever, like, you know, Jesus says, repent. OK, was well, there something the Bible says that is not great that you should not do that you're doing? Well, take in some data. So stop doing that. Uh, you know, pray to this Jesus. Say you're willing. You'll follow him. Make you born again. And um, then I think that's where most Christians, including myself, after they do the, some of these things the Bible talks about, they start seeing things in their life change and they start seeing their life line up with Christ. And you're like, you know what? There is something to this. I can't explain it. And then fast forward a little while and they start talking about spiritual realizations and spiritual understanding that they couldn't get any other way than just praying to God and seeking God. And now they have it and they'll never go back. So, I mean, just because we can't choose our beliefs, there are certainly things that we can do to exercise a little bit of faith. And I mean, right there, I mean, you know, by exercising faith and doing some of the teachings of Christ on its on its face doesn't mean you you choose to believe. It means you're choosing to, you know, exercise a claim of Christ and take in new data. And then let's see what happens with that data. Right. And I hear that. And so what – so one of the things that um, uh, that I think about when you when you said all that, so you said, okay, like I – not to recap what you said, but basically with what you said, one of the things that um, as, as humans we have the likelihood of doing is um, – and it's known by a couple different things, but one of them is confirmation bias, right? Where, you know, where, where we see the things, oh, yeah, this happened. And because I was doing these things, and so we, you know, it's like uh, uh, the Texas sharpshooter, right? Where you count the hits and avoid the, you know, and ignore the misses. So you can, you can, I think, because, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is what people do, but I'm saying this, this is what you have the capacity to do, right? You, you see it with people who, uh, you know, think that, that psychics are real, by the way, people they're not. Um, you know, they say like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, did you know someone with, you know, like an M in their name? Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's this silly kind of thing, right? And so that's part of the problem that I think you, you could run into. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Well, I agree with that. That is a problem you could run into. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, we talk to, they're, they're you know, they're professionals, they're in business or whatever. They make tough decisions based, uh, you know. On, on pretty shoddy evidence sometimes, but it works and they're confident and they're comfortable in their choices and their decisions. But then when we talk about religion, a lot of times then they take the other position and they're like, you know, I, I, I cannot trust myself. I could be falling into pitfalls of confirmation bias. I could be deceiving myself. I could be doing, I'm like, well, you could, it is a potential, um, but you don't do that in the rest of your life. You're solid enough in the rest of your life that, you know, you make decisions like a boss and it turns out the evidence, it works pretty well for you. So, you know, you have pretty decent instincts and, you know, you should probably trust your gut because it served you well. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't make you immune. Like, of course, there's always pitfalls, just like the other side, too. Like, just like, you know, people who are like, you know, I don't believe in this God, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, there's there's potentials that you could be wrong. You could have confirmation bias, like looking into whatever, I don't know, other anti-Jesus arguments there are. 
So, I mean, no one is immune on any side of the spectrum from, from all these pitfalls. Um, so we're all in the same boat in that regard. Um, but yeah, and then I guess the only other thing to follow it up, you know, if someone honestly can't trust themselves enough that they're like, I've, I've deceived myself, I've deceived myself. Well, then that's something you're going to need to work through. And if that's really what you think has happened, um, then, you know, I guarantee, especially the atheists we know and love here, uh, you guys included, um, <laughs> there is no way you're going to you're going to get get by with believing in some God for confirmation bias being an atheist on Clubhouse. Like if you go into any of these atheist rooms, you're going to put, be put through like the unholiest of inquisitions um, that's going to you know try to shatter any bias or pitfall you fell into in any other way. So um, I think you're covered as far as some of these potential pitfalls, uh, more so by being an Internet atheist than just your run of the mill person who, you know, just decides to believe Jesus for, I don't know, a better life or something like that. Um, so so the atheism clubhouse got your back. Um, your your belief will definitely be tested uh, to make sure it's genuine. Hey, can you humor me and tell me what a sin is? What's that? What is a sin? Uh, anything that transgresses God. So whatever God says is good. If you do something else, that's bad. That's sin. Okay, so owning another human being as property is fine then, right? Uh, what was that? Owning another human being as property. God doesn't have anything bad to say about that, right? Well, God has a lot to say about slavery in the Bible. Yeah, he's all for it. Well, I wouldn't say he's all for it. Like, there's a whole lot of stuff around it. I mean, we can, we can, like, I, I guess at this point, like, um, since this has nothing to do with, like, eternal salvation, right? Because if this goes to God is good or bad, we move, and we can talk about it. So I'm not, I'm not skirting the issue. I just want to, like, no, so, I want to make so, sure I'm not saying. Okay. okay. Uh, well, then repent and do believe the gospel. Um, other human beings? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you own, if you own people, you know, let them go. The official position of Master Christian is don't own human beings. Um, but no, so if we're talking about the existence of God, but when we talk to about slavery and owning people, then that seems to get into the morality of God. So that's kind of positing God exists. So if, if we're moving on from God exists to now it's a good or bad God, well, as far as following God, it shouldn't ultimately matter. And I know people will want to say, well, you know, because of my morality as a secular humanist is so good, I would never follow this God. There may be like three people on the planet who would do that. But I think most of us, if God's like, yes, own people, you know, eat their hearts or, you know, do bad stuff, do evil actions, like legitimately evil actions. I think most people, if they're confronted with truly the biblical depiction of this holy, sovereign, like all powerful God, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do whatever you want to do. I will do whatever evil thing you want to do. I mean, just in the interest of never saying never, there may be like a few who are like, no, I will not punish me eternally. I know we all like to think we would be that, but might may not make right, but might pretty much makes the way things are. So I would just say that. So all that to say, my answer, because if God, I mean, if it was an evil God, um, I like to think, I'd be like, no, send me to hell eternally, blah, blah, blah. But realistically, I have a pretty high sense of self-preservation, so I'd probably be like, well, if it's not too evil, like, you know, if you if you command me to own slaves and, you know, I can just treat them like family members and treat them super, super good so I don't feel bad, then, yeah, I guess technically I will own them, but really only in official capacity. So, you know, I I, I would probably be one of those people. And you'd be like, you're bad, you own slaves. Um, I'd be like, well, only in paper because, you know, whatever, they may as well own me. That's the point. I think most of us, if we're being honest, would do some evil stuff if we were absolutely convinced of an evil God. Thankfully, in Christianity, 
we're told that the opposite is true. So we can have our cake and eat it too. Um, so in Christianity, uh, because slavery, you don't, you don't host a lot of these internet rooms about Christianity without talking about slavery a lot. So, you know, consulting like my Jewish friends, my scholars we've made over the years, someone's clicking, Andrew, you got to mute you. There's a lot of clicking. Um, so we, I've done like such a deep dive because the slavery stuff, I mean, this is like for the Israelites, like all you're going to find in slavery is like Levitical law and the Talmud and things like this. So the only interest the Christian has is technically it's the same God. As such, th there's a couple categories. So if you disagree and you're like, no, slavery is evil, well, then we just disagree. But in the best academic accuracy as possible, this is my shorthand conclusion. There were different categories of slaves. You could not own people. So when um, uh, you couldn't buy them against their will. So whenever we read Leviticus, ignore that. I mean, don't ignore it, but you have to follow it up. You have to get the complete, like the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. You have to get the whole truth. So in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we have 613 commands of God, right? The Mosaic law. First of all, these were only for Israelites. So if you're a Gentile, if you're not an observant Jew now, these were never your laws ever. Um, I don't care who says what. They were not given to you. They were specifically to set the Israelites apart. So the, if you wanted to be a Gentile living among them, you only had to do some of these things, like don't murder people, don't cheat people. So there's only a handful of things you had to follow to be in society with the Israelites. And the fact that you know people say, well, we follow the Ten Commandments or we follow some of it, no, I would disagree. The point is we don't murder because it's on our heart. We don't want to murder. murder. Even the atheist that denies God or claims the lack of a belief in a God, they don't murder because they know it's intrinsically wrong, not because the Mosaic law tells them not to murder. And I believe that's because we're creating the image of God, whether someone admits it or not. So there's a lot of things in the Mosaic law that we follow, not because the law tells us to, because we're Gentiles, but because we automatically don't want to do it. Like Michael often says, he's murdered as many people as he wants to, and that's zero. So anyways, uh, I don't mean to preach, but I want to be accurate. So in the Levitical law, these are bullet points. The only way to truly know how these people follow this law given by God is to interpret it the way the people whose law this actually is do which is the Talmud. So for example, where it talks about like Leviticus 21, I think was something that said, you know, you can, you can buy slaves from foreign lands. And right then every internet person that has a problem with slavery wants to say, see your God allows slavery. But when you actually look in the Talmud, it's like a 37 encyclopedia book, Britannica type thing. It's, it's massive. Um, it, it's like what, like five feet long. If you put all, all the books together, there's like almost entire, uh, like a third of a book is dedicated to like a law, one law in some places. So to, to read one verse in the Bible and Leviticus and think you have a proper understanding is just false. So by the time you pour through like one third of a book, like, uh, you know, three or 400 pages dealing with one category of slavery and the laws cited in Leviticus, you have a totally different understanding. And the summary, and I promise I'll shut up in like 30 seconds. The summary of this is no, you cannot. So if you go to someone from a foreign land and they're like, I'm a slave captured. And you're like, hey, slave owner, I'd like to buy this slave. Um, and they're like, okay, well, you know, we, we kidnapped this person and blah, blah, blah. And that's forbidden. You're like, oh, well, okay, I can't buy that person. Like, is there anyone here? Is there anyone in captivity that would like to come be my slave? Like, how about you? And they're like, no. We're like, okay, well, if you don't want to go freely, then I can't buy you. So stay where you are. Um, and someone's like, no, no, I will go with you. Like, wherever you're taking me has got to be better than this place. And they're like, well, yes, we have laws. We have to treat you this way, this way, this way. And they're like, yes, I will be your slave. Then they can own that person. And then there's also things like you have to give them their freedom. So, you know, if they want to convert or integrate in society, society, then you have to give them their freedom. So even if you paid a high price for them and they're like, no, no, I want to follow your God. I want to convert. So there's all kinds of things about this 
that if you spend like $5,000 on a slave and they're like, yes, I want to be your slave. And then they're like, oh, I changed my mind. I just want to follow your God and be one of your people instead. Um, whether they're telling the truth or lying, you just lost $5,000 and now you have to set this person free. And then if they don't want to follow your God, they just peace out and you lost all your money. So again, that's kind of like you can own slaves, but if a slave ever doesn't want to be a slave, then you're kind of screwed. Um, the only other difference is like prisoners of war. So people, I, I, I don't want to be a liar. I said I'd shut up. That's enough for now. I really wish I didn't have. I really wish I didn't have to go, uh, but my but uh, our dear friend Dr. Josh is in the audience. Um, there's yeah. Um, maybe maybe he has time to come up and, and talk a little bit about this. Uh, I have to go, but uh, always a pleasure, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Michael. I'd like to ask a question of a kind of a broader point. Oh, hang on one second. I I think it was Andrew that talked about slavery. I wanted to give him a chance to respond because I I said like a whole lot. Yeah, I wasn't trying to judge God's morality, first of all. Um, it just never says anywhere in the Bible, thou shalt not own another human being as property. And the thing is, if owning another human being is not moral, then why can't God just say, thou shalt not own another human being? That's a good point. I'd say, well, what I just said is a roundabout way of saying, you know, you can't own someone unless they they totally want to to be owned by you, which, you know, I for one would not. But yeah, God could say that. But also we're told, and I'm, I'm just assuming, so correct me if I'm wrong, that you've read the whole Bible, you know, and it's it's like prevalent in your mind, not something you did like 20 years ago. But we're told there's the law, there's the law of the spirit and there's the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is talking about the Mosaic law. So all the 613 commandments where it says, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt do this, all the things you're talking about, like why couldn't God just say everything you're supposed to do? There wouldn't be enough, a book big enough to contain everything you should and should not do point by point. There just wouldn't like we think 613 is a lot. So instead we're told we have the law of the spirit and the law of you know, the Levitical law of Moses that has the do's and don'ts, but we're told we have the law of the spirit guiding us for Christians, for believers in Christ who recognize Christ as the Messiah and the Holy spirit himself of God lives with us and guides us into these things. So again, I don't need the Levitical law to tell me what I should and shouldn't do. It's on our hearts. We instinctively know uh, for example, I, I know owning people is wrong. If someone's like, hey, you want to own a slave? I'm like, uh, no, I, I don't feel good about that. That that goes against my consciousness. That goes against my convictions from God. Um, no, I don't want to do that, and I don't need a law to tell me that. I just don't want to do it. Uh, just like any other thing, right? Like we're getting into like things like the technological age where you know things in the Bible certainly didn't address, like you know AI, computers, whatever. So if someone's like, hey, do you want to be the next entrepreneur of an AI thing that, you know, Maybe it'll take over the world and kill everyone. We don't think it will, though. Well, you know, if I was confronted with that, I don't need a law to tell me one way or another. I have my conscience, consciousness, which is led by God, conscience, which is led by the Holy Spirit. So I believe at that time I'll have the correct answer um, one way or another. So I mean, we really believe this stuff, right, that there is a living God that is with us all the time, like leading us and guiding us and ever present, always here. So maybe I have more peace about that than someone that, you know, espouses a lack of belief in this God. Um, it, but it's like the trolley problem. It's like, you know, how do you know which one to pull? And how do you know if you're culpable or not? I believe for the Christian, you know, that answer, if they were truly faced with that scenario, that answer would come because we don't know all the unknowns. So if God knows the next evil genocidal maniac is going to be in one of the people you save or don't save, then that would sway your conscience one way or another. It wouldn't simply be a, an answer in the greatest good for your culpability. 
And all of these are intangible unknowns that we cannot possibly know. We simply rely on God. So just like owning, owning people and slavery, like why, why doesn't the Bible just tell us what to do and what not to do? Well, we have something, we have something that's all-encompassing, and that's not just the Levitical law, which, by the way, Jesus fulfilled. That's an ever-present God always living with us for every single decision. I mean, not to dumb it down too much, but I mean, that could be the difference in ketchup and mustard on a hot dog. I mean, that's that's ridiculous, I know. But I mean, really, we think that can play into nearly every decision of our lives. So are you saying we don't really need the Bible? It's all inside of us already? I, I'm saying if I mean, if you have the benefit, then there is no good reason why you wouldn't use the Bible and read the Bible to learn about Christ. Um you know, I don't have the full knowledge of everything the Bible says. Like, you know, we're not, there's no way to know like everything in the Bible just intrinsically. But as far as what we're talking about, the morality, like wh what God wants, what God wills, like, yeah, you don't need a, I mean, you don't need a Bible. If you have a Bible, use a Bible. But if you're in a desert Island, like, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans one, like, look around, like you, you get to deism just from realizing there's stuff greater than yourself and things don't happen by accident. So if you follow that faith, if you follow and continue seeking, then I believe you're going to be led to more and more knowledge to arrive at the God in the Bible. Or if you have half a burned up Bible that, you know, some warlord tried to destroy and you only have a few pages of a Bible, then, I mean, that could be enough. So it all goes back to God knows everything and God knows the heart. So if your heart is willing, if your heart is receptive, you're going to arrive at the God in the Bible some way, somehow. So whether that's because you have the full Bible and you have the full benefit of living in America where there's churches in every corner, even though plenty of people disregard it and walk right by it. Um, or if you live in a third world war torn country where you only have like part of the scripture, whatever you act on, or if you just have your own morality in your heart and, you know, you've heard some preacher talk about Jesus and you, you know, you've prayed to Jesus and asked him to save you and make you born again. And, you know, you don't have a Bible, you don't understand everything, but you trust God, then you're going to have God living with you. Um, so whatever scenario you want, you want to posit, you know, there will be an, an answer for that. Well, then I don't have anything to worry about. Right. And I would say, though, I mean, you know, the cliche, like, you know, God helps those who helps themselves. So if you're like, well, if it's meant to be, if I'm supposed to, you know, if I'm supposed to be one of God's chosen people and end up in heaven, then it's going to happen. And then you just, you know, do the most evil things you can. Then going back to what we've already talked about. That means you would have already decided to do the most evil things you can and just, you know, sit on a log and don't care or actively or proactively go against God. Well, then you've already made that decision. So that's what's going to happen. Uh, but if you're like, well, you know, all these Christians keep talking. So today is the day of salvation, they say. So I'm going to go ahead and exercise a little bit of this faith stuff they talk about and pray to Jesus and see what happens. Well, that means you already would have chosen to do that. So just because you can say like that would be like a hyper Calvinist if you're familiar, like approach, like, well, if you're supposed to be saved, you're going to be saved. So do whatever you want. And if you find repentance, then uh, that means you're one of the elect. Congratulations. Um, so I would say that's just unwise, like we talked about earlier. So in theory, sure. In reality, um, unlikely. Uh, because if you're going to, if someone would take that approach, that means they've already decided in, you know, times past, that's what they're going to do, which effectively becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so ma no matter if you're doing it in 2023 or before the time you were born um you've just self-fulfilled your own prophecy what bothers me is under your worldview it's possible for hitler to go to heaven and it's not possible for an atheist to ever get there they they all end up in hell uh so hitler as far as you know I, i'm just taking this as someone that did unspeakable or unimaginable evil 
mm-hmm. and then like repented at the last possible second. Um, yep. If that's the scenario, okay. So in theory, yes. In reality, that is highly unlikely. So the Bible does speak a little to this, and it tells us that you know anyone who repents and truly believes this can come to Christ and and be in heaven. So yes, in theory, that could happen. In reality, though, we're told the Bible tells us sin hardens the heart. So if sin hardens the heart, and how many sins? Can anyone quantify how many sins Hitler did? Probably more than many, many people on planet Earth ever to exist. So the chances of him having a hard heart and being unable and not in a position to repent is incredibly more likely than him like doing all of this unimaginable evil and then somehow having the softness of heart to be like, you know what? I sincerely repent of this. I am sorry I ever did this. Please forgive me. So while possible, incredibly improbable. Do you have to keep track of every sin you did and then repent for each individual one? (laughs) You can't. Right, so you can just do a generic uh, repentance and no matter what you do. Well, yeah, but I mean, that doesn't mean that, you know, God doesn't know. And that doesn't mean that, you know, if you want to say like your heart keeps track. So, you know, the more and more sin you do, I mean, maybe you don't remember, you know, the third hooker you've killed 30 years ago and buried into your basement. By the way, don't do that. Um, but just because you don't remember it doesn't mean like there's not some like, you know, hardness on your heart because of that, because you clearly did a lot of sins there. So, I mean, you're, I mean, it's like Pharaoh, how it says his heart was like, you know, his heart was, heart was hard, like a stone. And imagine all these sins you do. So just because you don't remember stuff or maybe you get amnesia, that doesn't mean your heart is any less rock hard because of that. Okay. I mean, it, to me, it sounds the exact opposite of, you know, when, when people tell, tell me I'm an atheist and I can do whatever I want because I'm not going to be responsible, held responsible. It's actually the way Christians think. It's like they're always forgiven. They're always, all they have to do is repent. So no matter what horrible things they do, they, they don't have to face the consequences. But remember, that's in theory, yes. In reality, okay. no. So, that, I mean, that's a huge caveat, right? Because I, I agree. Like, I, I mean, you're basically saying what a Christian would say, except you're missing that one giant caveat, which is what we just talked about, and which is why Chris said, hmm, so Chris... Go ahead and go ahead and say your thing. Yeah, sorry, I'm. I'll be quiet. Yeah, um, all I was going to say is that's a misunderstanding of what's going on, right? So when we talk about getting reformed heart, I don't mean reformed in like the Calvinist sense. I mean like we're given a new heart, Ezekiel, right, thirty-six. So he talks. The Lord talks about uh, the fact that we have a heart of stone and we are given a heart of flesh. Um, the example of David is that he lived a life of constant repentance. This is why he was a man after God's own heart, is that he wasn't repenting for his salvation. He had already done that. He simply, when he did sin, understood the gravity of his offense against God um, and people, and then repented. So when David is confronted by Nathan for his act of murder and adultery, um, he didn't have Nathan killed, which he could have done because he was a king. He was a Middle East potentate. Um, he listened to the Lord through Nathan, and he got on his face, tore his clothes, and repented of his sin. And so that is what will mark the life of any true believer. And this is not like a no true Scotsman fallacy. It's just saying that one of the hallmarks of a true believer is that they live in an attitude of repentance.
yeah i i think yeah i was i was um i was overlooking that i was going from like you know stuff you did past going forward so yeah uh if if i guess i missed that so good good call chris yeah so so the idea is you know once you're like yes i've done unimaginable evil um i somehow have the ability to you know be remorseful and repent thank god think yes uh thank you chris uh god will give you a heart of flesh he'll remove this heart of stone and at that point no you're not you don't have a license to sin um, you know, like the Bible says, look, you can do anything you want. So in theory, if you wanted to go out and, you know, do evil stuff, you have the freedom to do that. You can do that. However, it's like one of those, uh, you know, no true Christian or catch 22 things. It's like, however, if you do say you repent and you believe Christ and you follow him, then you're not going to be able to do that. Like your, your own conscience is going to prevent you. So it's like, um, you know, what prevents you from, you know, going out and murdering and stealing and lying? Well, is it a law? Is it a command from God? Well, in theory, no, because I can do that. I can do anything I want. So what prevents me is God himself. He's legitimately removed this heart, this bad heart that was geared towards this stuff, and I, I don't want to do it. And that doesn't mean you're never going to have a human moment and you know, tell a lie or do something like that um, that, that would be a sin that you would you know, want to repent of. But, I mean, you're not going to live that lifestyle because you legitimately don't. Like your, your conscience won't allow you because you have a new heart by God. So if you were these people, and Paul talks about it, he says, you know, in the, in the New Testament, he says, some of you were thieves. Some of you were this. So if you were this, stop doing it now. He's like, you've been saved. You've been given a new heart. So if you're a thief, work really hard so you have money to give to the poor. Um, so that's the idea. Like, if you were one of these people, which we all were, I mean, you know, we weren't all Hitlers, but we were all at enmity and war with God. We were all these bad, spiritually dead, bad people. So when we repent, when we recognize that, we're like, uh, God, give me a new heart. I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to follow you. Please save me. Then God will give you a new heart. And now you're going to see your life is going to improve and get more and more like the life of Christ and get less and less like these bad, evil actions. Um, yeah, I hope that covers that side too, Andrew. I think. Oh, yeah. And then, and then the other guy had a question. Yeah, go ahead and respond and we'll get to the other. Person. Yeah, and it just bothers me that you say in theory and unlikely. It doesn't make it impossible. And right. that bothers me. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, then, I mean, I don't want to send you away from the Christian God, but I mean, if you would say, you know, no, there can, there can never be forgiveness for some of these great ultimate evils. Um, then, you know, perhaps the God of Christianity is, is not for you. Um, because, you know, we're told that no matter how bad someone is, even though it's highly unlikely, such people will truly repent because of the hardness of their heart. If they do, then yes, God is for them. Christ will forgive everything. Uh, just like he forgave the people who he allowed to murder him and while they were murdering him, which is not a great thing. It's a pretty bad thing. So while they're murdering him, he's actively you know, praying for them to be forgiven. So, yes, uh, forgiveness is for everyone, even Hitler's, even Dahmer's, if they are able to be that person to repent. So, um, yeah, no matter how rare, no matter how unlikely, if you're like, nope, that's too much. Uh, that is this grace thing. That's beyond the pale. Uh, they, they have to pay. They cannot be forgiven. Uh, then that would be a legitimate time you would say the Christian God is not for you. Uh, because if someone can repent, there is forgiveness for all. I think that it's so it's so hard and so un, un, I can't say the word, unfathomable um, for people to see the love of God and to see the, 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 how much grace there is um, in God. And I think maybe... That should be what we talk about next. Uh, well, uh, Andrew, you have yes. a question, right? Yeah. Oh, this whole discussion about 
moral virtues, you know, behavioral prescriptions and everything. You've talked a lot about this being some kind of like reliable confirmatory evidence of the Christian God's existence. And I'm just wondering why that would, would be the case when beneficial behavioral prescriptions are present throughout all different cultures and humanity all over the world, all throughout history, most of them completely disconnected from Christianity or influence of any of those civilizations in any way. Why would positive beneficial prescriptions be confirmatory evidence for God? Could you say that a little more concise? Wow. Okay. Uh, Why would beneficial behavioral prescriptions, you know, telling you how you should act and it being beneficial to you, why would this be any kind of confirmatory evidence that the Christian God... So beneficial behavioral prescriptions. So as far as like the laws or like the experiences or the antidotes or the way you feel about them? No, anything that tells you that this is the way you should behave and it will benefit you the great, the the most greatly if you behave. Well, I mean, on its face, that shouldn't be evidence for a God. Like anyone can do that. Like, you know, I'm asking why. Well, I'm saying it shouldn't be. So you're saying you're like wanting me to confirm something that I don't want to confirm because I don't agree. Like I agree with you, like on its face, like things that will say like, these are beneficial behaviors. You should do these. Why should that get you a belief in a God? Like if, if I understand that, I would say it on its face, it shouldn't. Well, that's, that's just like to well, live a life in society. You said earlier, you made you, you, and you, you said this many times and many Christians say, this is not unique to you, but they say, if you follow these moral prescriptions, it will eventually lead you to believe that this God is real. So you are promoting it as some kind of oh. confirmatory evidence of God. Okay, I, I see. So, well, first of all, the, the stuff I said, I was promoting that would lead you, quote, lead you to God. Um, I want to check myself, but I don't think it had anything to do with morality. So as far as following more these moral principles, the, the way it would which I don't think I've made this argument today, but if I were to make this argument, like you said, so many Christians have, I would say following these good moral principles that says what God says you should do these moral things. The only way that should get you to God is maybe if you're exercising faith that this is what God says. So it's not the fact that you're just doing good stuff. It's the fact that you're believing this comes from a God. So you're doing the will of God. So if he says help an old lady across the road, it's not the helping the old lady across the road that's getting you closer to God. It's the fact that you're doing that because you believe God. So it's your faith in God that's getting you closer to that, if that were the case. Um, but no, whenever I I was talking earlier about the stuff that I think would get you closer to God, and it wasn't about morality. It was about things like, you know, having, an ounce, having a little bit of faith and following Jesus. Like Jesus says, you must be born again. What does that mean? Be like, Jesus, you say you can give us eternal life and you can make us born again. Which that doesn't, I mean, that's not a good moral action. That's just like a belief in, in God to make you this born again thing and give you a new heart and a new spirit. So the things I would promote to get you to God are the things the Bible says will get you to God. Like pray, seek Jesus, like find him, repent. Um, and then as far as as far as the moral stuff, which I guess repentance kind of gets into, is I would say if it had a way to get you to God, it's because you're exercising faith and believing that this is what God wants you to do, not the fact that it's just good moral stuff you, yourself. Because if, if like an atheist, a secular humanist would say, well, I'm doing all this good moral stuff, so I don't need a God. Well, yeah, but it's not the good moral actions that are, get, that are doing anything spiritually for you. 
good moral actions are just, you know, good moral actions. And the Bible says, you know, good deeds apart from God, like our good deeds are just filthy rags, like it's wasted. So even if you're doing something decent and helping an old lady cross the road or working in a soup kitchen, that's helping them. It's good for them, but that doesn't get you closer to God. Uh, the only way to get you closer to God via that is believing this is for, from God and what he wants, and it's aligned with him, and it's the faith in God. And, and you know, that goes back to the whole point of Christianity that it's not a, it's not a moralizing religion. Like moral, moral stuff is secondary. And um, the primary is we have this spiritually dead nature. We're born spiritually dead. So dead people can't do d good or bad things. They're dead, spiritually dead. So it's not being good or bad. It's about being spiritually alive. So once you go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive, well, yes, morality certainly plays a part. Do good moral stuff, live like Jesus. So if you're doing good moral stuff for no other reason than Jesus did good moral stuff, well, great, you're living like Christ. Um, so that's that's what I would say. So I, I get your point. And, and I could be persuaded to be like one of those Christians who would agree with it. Um, but that's what I would say. It's not not just the fact that you're doing good stuff that gives you the brownie points. It's because you're having faith in God that God is this is the word of God and you're doing the word of God that is getting you to that position. But ultimately, it's about being spiritually alive. It, it seems like the two points are pretty intermixed on your view. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to escape saying that uh, if you live a life like Jesus, then you'll end up believing in Jesus. But again, these moral prescriptions are not unique to Christianity. So the additional element you're adding in is you have to believe they are from God. You had to insert that additional premise in there that you believe they are from God. So it doesn't seem that good moral prescriptions are going to help you without additional premises. Oh, I totally which, agree. So it's, so it's very, it's, so it's completely reasonable for people who are following what they feel are beneficial moral values to not believe and live an almost identical life to a Christian, and this goes to the previous gentleman's point, um, can live almost identical lives with moral values, right? Get to the end of their lives. One goes to heaven and one goes to hell, based yes. primarily on a belief position, a singular belief position. And, and here's and, the big and, well, hold on. So just just one last thing. It, 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 any notion that we would talk about about justice, that would seem to fly in the face. Yes. So there's justice and there's grace. And if if you have a problem with what you just said, you're really going to hate this. So in many cases, um, Christians are not perfect. Oftentimes, Christians are the best evidence for why we are fallen people and why we need God. We clearly cannot save ourselves. Even the people who believe in God. That's why we need God. Because um, we're usually wretched bad people so in many cases you may have a secular humanist who is an atheist who by all all earthly metric metrics does very good moral stuff and you and is very helpful and polite and amicable and you have a christian who you know doesn't do bad moral things like you know they don't do things the bible calls you know egregious sins they don't they don't do bad stuff like that but they're cynical they're grumpy they're not super helpful they're like a curmudgeon um so you would say if you're just comparing you know these two in many ways, this good moral atheist has a better morality and just sense of, you know, being a well-adjusted human um, than this Christian who believes in a God. Um, yet the Christian who believes in his God, who trusts Jesus Christ alone for his salvation,
because it's not about good and bad. It's about death versus life. Well, this Christian who is a little grumpy and still has a long way to go in his life to be on the same level as this well-adjusted human, secular humanist atheist, um, they would go to heaven. And the secular humanist who has done all these decent moral stuff, they're like, guys, I've helped out way more. I've done way more time. I've given way more money than this Christian who's supposed to be like me. Um, he's supposed to be better than me. But he goes to heaven and I don't because he's spiritually alive and the other is spiritually dead, which is a priority that supersedes any morality. You can't, you can't do good moral stuff if you're spiritually dead. Dead people don't do anything. So, I mean, surely the, peop the humans you've helped, um, they'll be thankful. But in 100 years, we're all dead, and that won't matter. So you did something, but it's not lasting. It's fleeting. Well, now, we're, Christian, well, now, you know, now we're talking about something else completely. Anyway, I got to go into it. Okay, work. well, I'll stop there. Okay, well, yeah, I'll, st I'll stop back there. I don't have a problem with forgiveness. I mean, if, if God wants to forgive Hitler, that's fine. But why does he have to act like a mob boss and say, hey, you know, I have I have a way of you getting out of your sins, but... Uh, you know, it'd be a shame if you ended up in hell, but, you know, you, you got to pay up. Well, I mean, by pay up, I mean, you know, all analogies break down, but that one did pretty quickly. By pay up, God himself was like, hey, I got a way to, you know, keep you from sleeping with the fishes. Um, and you got to pay. And by pay, I'll actually pay uh, because, you know, I'll send my son Jesus, you know, God incarnate uh, on the cross to actually pay for everything. So when I say you got to pay. You actually don't. I already paid. The paid, The price has been paid. All you got to do is, you know, take this ticket and check out. It's free. It's already done. Um, no, and for what, and what, and what, 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 the mob boss thing, though, because uh, I want to be clear, right? Like people are like, well, why do I have to believe this? Well, if God knows stuff we don't know, and if God stuff, knows stuff we don't know, then people may think, well, why do I have to do it your way? Well, if God certainly created everything and he knows the way, he's just a guide. So it's like, well, why would we resist, we, we resist a guide so much? Like in a dark room, if we're blind and someone is leading us, it's like, well, why do I have to turn left? Why do I have, why can't I just make all right turns? Why can't I just be a good person? Why do I have to do all these things you're saying? And the guide is like, look, I'm not trying to fight you. I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend. Like I know the right way. I see clearly. So when God says, well, look, I see clearly like Jesus is the only way. This is how it's set up. This is how it's designed. It's not to punish you. It's not to make it super hard for you. Like, it's the obvious answer. Just trust me, and I will lead you. Like, Jesus is, is the way to get to this happy, eternal life. So all you got to do is just follow Jesus, and then it's like we're resisting. It's like, well, why Jesus? Why not Buddha? Why can't I just live a good philosophy? Why can't I be – and God's like, guys, I'm not – here's the answer. It's so easy. Like, it will cost you nothing. I mean, you know, it costs you your soul, but that's a good thing. Like, you know, it, it won't cost you, like, all this, like, terrible stuff, like other religions. You don't have to do all this stuff. You don't have to – practice all this stuff like it, it should be an obvious answer so just trust me your good guide who has already did everything you need to do just believe jesus because that's the door and then people still want to fight the door I, I i see it more like that than the mob boss way well i'm not fighting the door i'm just not convinced of the door okay well i mean i would say potato you'd say potato well right? no it's a difference i mean you know Resisting, like if someone's trying to pull you through a door and you resist, that's one thing. But if you don't believe the door exists to begin with, then how are you going to cross it? Right. And I would go back to the earlier conversation, which is like, you know, there are certain prescriptive things that Jesus says we can do to, I don't know, if you want to analogize this, feel around in the dark and find a door handle, i.e. Jesus. And that would be not watch a lot of YouTube videos about God, 
um, not, and I appreciate your conversation. So, you know, don't leave. That's not what I'm talking about. But at a certain point, you know, stop talking to lots of Christians, stop talking to pastors, stop watching YouTube videos, stop looking through peer reviewed papers. If the Bible said, do that stuff, well, well then do that stuff. And if you found it lacking, then say, well, I did what the Bible said and it's all false. But when the Bible specifically says, call in the name of Jesus, repent, ask for, you know, seek Jesus, seek to him, pray to the God. Like instead of talking to people about God, call on God directly yourself. And when people do that, like do the things the Bible actually says to do, then I think that's where, you know, they start taking steps and they're like, huh, maybe there's something to this. And, you know, it, it's, and then people can say that's confirmation bias or any other thing. But I mean, if the Bible says do this and people do everything but this, it's no wonder they're not going to find anything. If the Bible says do this and then people do that and then they're like, huh, maybe there is something to this. Well, I mean, it makes sense. So you can say confirmation bias is a pitfall, but you could also say, well, the Bible is a, is a map and it told me what to do and I did it. And well, there's God. Yeah, but in order for me to pray to a God, I'd have to believe that God exists. So you'd have to exercise a little bit of faith. Yeah, and that that's the problem because it's not a good thing to just use faith because I, you don't just go believe everything until you prove it wrong. You have sure. to actually get the evidence and then you believe it. So, and if, if no one gives me evidence for God, why should I seek God? If, if that's a great point. Well, okay. well, yeah, I'll let some other people talk um, in a minute because we've been talking a lot. I appreciate, I appreciate you being here, by the way. I love this conversation. But I'd say, you know, it, it's, what is it, like profits, profit and loss or risk analysis or something, like in business. Like if it costs you little to nothing, then, you know, it's, it's easier to do. If it costs you a great deal, then it's harder. So if, uh, you know, if the, if the Bible said, hey, you have to, you know, do these incredibly difficult, like 12 labors of Hercules to find God. Um, if you have to do all this really difficult stuff, it's like, okay, I'm going to need some really good evidence before I start going down this road because that's 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 a lot you're asking. But uh, on the other hand, like you know, some, uh, when Jesus is like, look, start by seeking me and praying to me. So if you feel a little weird praying to a guy you think may or not exist, um, I get it. But are you going to let like you know pride or some sense of that like stop you from discovering what could be the the universally greatest thing ever? Um, because you may feel a little foolish, like don't do it in the public square. Don't do it on a YouTube channel channel, but you know, get in your bedroom, get somewhere quiet, get in your car somewhere alone. So there's no one to make yourself feel condemned or foolish, but yourself and, you know, suppress the pride because it's very easy. So like if someone's, if I found a note that said, Hey, you have, you know, a thousand dollars, I buried in a lockbox six inches down in your backyard. I think, okay, well, I have no evidence. I'm probably being on candid camera. I'm being punked. It's probably a joke. But it'll take me about five minutes. I can get a shovel. I can go kick it down a few times. And if there's not a box there, then, you know, foolish me. If there is a box, well, that's very easy. So I, I would almost certainly do that um, because it, it costs me near, next to nothing, like five minutes of my time. Um, but if it said, hey, this is actually like uh, 60 feet down, good luck. I'd be like, okay, no. Um, I don't care if it's there or not. I'm going to need some more compelling evidence before I go dig 60 feet into my ground. And I'd say that's the thing. So like with Christianity – it's, it's very easy what it's asking you to do, so there's really no downside to it. Um, it's not like it's costing you fame or fortune or all this difficult stuff or like this, anything like that. It's like pray and seek this Jesus of the Bible. And if you don't find anything, then you have more of a standing to criticize Christianity. You can say, look, I've done what this Jesus guy in the Bible says that you say is the word of God. I've done it, and I've, I've exercised this faith. I've prayed to this God. Um, I've sought this Jesus. And nothing happened. There's no assurance. 
I don't think there's anything to this, then I would say you have more of a standing to be critical of Christianity and say, I've done what it said. I found it lacking um, versus just saying, well, I'm going to need more evidence to try. Like it's, it's very easy. If that helps. Well, no, because five minutes can add up if you're looking for boxes all over the world. But would, would you actually look for a, a car key to a car that you didn't believe existed? Uh, well, hang on. In my scenario, it wasn't boxes all over the world. It was a box right in my backyard. Yeah, six just, inches but that's, I mean, you know, if you believe there's one yeah, box. Well, yeah, I would look for a car. Yeah, I would, I would look for a car key. Like, I mean, maybe not right now because you're just like, yeah, there's one. I'm like, okay, well, it's obviously a lie. But I mean, if same thing, I mean, it could be, you know, if someone's like, hey, there is a car key to a Maserati. Uh, you know, I got a lot of money and I didn't want to lose it. So I buried it like a Nigerian prince email. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's buried six inches down in your backyard or uh, something like that. I'm like, yeah, I'll probably lie, but I'm going to investigate. I'm going to go seek this key. I'm like, well, there's six inches right where he said, and it's not there. So, yep, I had a feeling it was false and it's confirmed. Um, but if he's like, yeah, it's actually, you know, in Italy and you're going to have to take a trip, but it's a free car. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Well, it sounds like gullibility to me. I mean, you, I mean, I guess you can say that, but I mean, I, I think I, I don't, I don't see how, I guess I just disagree maybe more than anything else, this conversation to say it's gullibility because it's, it's just something very simple and very easy one can do. And if they find something evidence to keep going, then keep going. And if you don't, then there you go. Like, it just seems like a very easy thing to do um, without being gullible. Yeah, it's, it sounds like the you got nothing to lose thing. It, it, it's just ridiculous because, you know, you can spend your whole life looking for stuff that doesn't exist. You know, it's just, it is well, gullibility. Yeah, that, Using faith but, is gullible. It's just, you, you believe in stuff without evidence. Well, I, I still don't get how you can say that. And I guess at this point, I mean, you know, it's like Joshua 24, we quote a lot, like as people in similar situations where they, well, these are people who had evidence of God. Um, like empirically so, and they're being led through the wilderness and led across water and stuff. And these people are still in the face of that grumbling. And finally, Joshua's like, look, if if this God seems evil to you or bad to follow, or perhaps gullible uh, to follow this God, then, you know, follow another God, follow no God. But at this point, he's like, do what you want, guys. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So I would say, you know, I kind of more than more than theistically, um, I kind of considered a front which maybe is my prideful self when people talk about Christians, like being gullible and naive and like, Oh, the world is my oyster. It's so beautiful. Look at the flowers. Like that is not my personality at all. Like I I'm probably one of those grumpy Christians I was talking about earlier who is spiritually alive because I, I believe, and I believe I have good evidence to believe in this God. Um, but I could definitely be more helpful and do more decent moral stuff like work at food banks more. Um, I'm, I'm pretty cynical. I'm pretty, that's my bent. So, like, I I definitely would not consider myself as being one of these gullible people that just have, like, blind faith and just trust the universe and God or whatever like that. Um, like, I believe my faith is grounded, but it all started with me thinking, okay, I know the stories. I know the story of God. I know Christianity. I know stories of other religions, but I want to see if these are actually true. So I started doing what the Bible said. And over time, like, I just started, I, I did one thing and another thing and another thing. And at a certain point, I'm like, well, look, I, I'm not where I was. I'm not where I started. Like, I've done these bi the stuff the Bible has said. I've prayed. I've, I've, you know, exercised faith, and I've haven't found it like just in the ether out there floating around. 
Like, I believe this God of the universe has answered it. And I just have this like very acute awareness. This Bible is what it said, like is the word of God. Like it's legit, like not goosebumps, not warm, fuzzy feelings. I hate that stuff. Um, but like legitimately just like, I know this now, like I will Gnostically tell people, like I have this Gnostic revelation, like the Bible is true. God is real. Like I've got enough evidence at this point, um, anecdotal or subjective. That doesn't matter. People say subjective, like it's a bad word. It's not. It just means you don't have the benefit of peer reviewed people standing around you looking inside your brain. So, I mean, I, I have this evidence. And I believe my faculties through my entire existence tell me I can typically trust my instincts and I have decent reasoning. So all things considered, you know, including the eyewitness testimony of the Bible, like, you know, all these different people, all these different accounts, like the totality of everything. I'm like, yes, I, I will claim this Bible is, is true. And it's not some like vacuous, like faith. Like I just hope because I'm scared of the dark or I'm scared of dying. I don't care about any of that stuff. Um, I believe it because I believe it. And I think I have evidence in my life that bear that out. Um, so all I would say is just, you know, if you really are curious, do what the Bible actually says. And um, yeah, see how that goes. If you still disagree, then, you know, you're totally free to do what you want. Um, you shouldn't, but you are. Well, I'm curious about all religions, but I don't have time to go read every holy book that exists and test them out. But thank sure. you for your time. I, I mean, I don't want to monopolize this I mean, these other people here, but I, I appreciate your honesty and your time because, you know, I mean, it's it's a good dialogue to have, and I, I appreciate the fact that we can do this without name calling and screaming and all that. So, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate you, and I appreciate this conversation. Like, yes, this is what we aim for. So, you know, in a perfect world. Yeah, everyone would believe just like me. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, I, I think if we have different disagreements and things like that, we can at least uh, the worst case scenario should be to civilly just disagree. And uh, yeah, be uh, yeah. So I, I appreciate that. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to like appeal to popularity real fast. But I would say, I mean, you know, even though, you know, obviously Christians are not Muslims or Jews, uh, we all still claim uh, the same God. So not to, you know, get into ad popular fallacies, but, um, you know, if someone wanted, was worried about, you know, going through like, you know, billions of religions or whatever, um, I would say start with the one that all claims like the, the overwhelming majority of planet Earth or history of the world has claimed the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, even though different religions come out of that and they're imperfect people doing imperfect things. Um, still, um, the overwhelming populace, like by like 90 percent, um, has focused on this God, Yahweh of the Bible. Um, so I would say that would not be a terrible one to start with. Um, maybe they're onto something. Um, who said they had a question? Was it Saint? I, I wanted to point something out. Oh, Jamesy. Yeah. Uh, you, you made this analogy of the, the dark maze and it, it fails on two levels that I've identified so far. I'm sorry. Uh, I failed the, you. Fir the first one being, if all you did was make right turns, that actually would get you through the maze. And the second one being, um, like if I was confronted with that situation and someone said they could guide me through the maze, like I could probably be persuaded to let them try to guide me. And I would probably follow them for quite a while before I gave up and just started making nothing but right turns. But the, the criticism is that that person is not presenting itself. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're standing in at the doorway to the maze and there is nobody saying I can guide you through it. Well, I don't know if that would be, 
criticisms. I mean, it's certainly not criticism of God. It's criticism of my analogy, yeah, which I all agree. broke down. But I'd say, I mean, if it was uh, criticizing my right turns, I'm thinking, well, you know, if, if you are you thinking if you only make right turns, you'll eventually get there. What if the, you know, the right turns are blocked or there's alligator pitfall? Um, obviously, not all right turns would end there. Um, but again, that was a problem with my analogy, not God. But I'd say, well, Jesus is like he literally says, I stand at the door and knock. Like, you know, if you open this door of, of your heart, I mean, different from the maze, but, you know, he, he's saying basically what you're what you're saying. And it's it's the word. So, I mean, if you mean Jesus riding a white, shiny unicorn and dazzling robes um, is not knocking at your actual house right now, then you are correct. Uh, but as far as the claims in the Bible, like if you think there's any any truth to it at all, then Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you open this door of your heart, i.e. the stuff we've been talking about repent, pray, dare to believe him, dare to follow him, uh, um, then yes, he'll have, you know, he'll come into your heart, have fellowship, save you, give you this eternal life. So, I mean, he actually does make this claim, um, you know, in Revelation. So if you think there's any, any veracity to it at all, um, then the, the words are in the book. So I, I know you've had this conversation with Michael and acknowledge that he's done that. I, I would hope that you would acknowledge that I've done that. My, my, you know, coming out of faith was something that happened to me. It wasn't something that I, that I chose to do. There's lots of people that find the faith position to be no longer assailable. Like a lot of the atheists that you're interacting with are not just like unexposed to the idea. They're people who got honest about what they believed. Like it's at some point faith becomes unassailable for many of us. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, Never say never, but I'm typically not going to be someone who is like, no, no, you did it wrong, or you were never truly a Christian. Like, I mean, I, I believe those stances, but I, in general, like, I believe they, they, you know, the Bible makes a claim that these are, are things, and they could be, they are true, but th that doesn't mean I know the person. So I'm not going to be one of these people that's, you're never truly a Christian, when a lot of times, when, as soon as they speak, you're like, oh, okay, so you're a Christian, what does that mean to you? Like, you know, what does the gospel mean? And they're like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm like, what? No, what, what is the gospel like of Christ? And, and they just keep saying, like, the Bible book names. I'm like, okay, well, at this point, like, you know, I don't want to say you were never a Christian, but if I say, what is the gospel? Like, you know, the point of Christianity, and you're telling me what the actual books the gospels are, maybe, yeah, maybe it's different than what you thought. Like, you know, if I say the gospel, and they're like, oh, you know, it's believe, repent, Jesus came from heaven to earth to forgive us of our sins, to die on a cross, his death, burial, resurrection— if we believe that and confess Jesus as Lord and follow him, then we will be saved. That's the gospel. I'm like, okay. Um, again, I don't know their heart, um, but that would make me think that they, they definitely know the gospel. They've parroted it back. Um, and at that point, it's like, well, did you truly believe this? And I'm, I'm not going to be one of those people. It's like, well, you never truly believe. You were never truly a Christian. Like, I'm, I'm not going to question them. All I can say is what the Bible says. And if they did what the Bible says— and they say, well, you know, they're not a Christian or the reason I'm not a Christian is because I read the Bible or something like that. I don't know their heart. Um, and I would also say that even they don't know them. Like if I don't know them as well as they know themselves, they don't know themselves as well as God knows them. So, you know, I could be wrong. They could be wrong at some point. And it's happened. Like, you know, over the years I've been doing this, certain people who were were Christians, were atheists, now are Christians again, or were Muslims, now Christians. But like there's a mix match, just like a McDonald's value meal, uh, like Everyone has, has filled these roles. And, you know, some will be like, well, you know, I, I was an atheist and then I realized that I was never truly saved. I realized that. I'm like, oh, I didn't say that. You did. And they're like, no, it's totally right. I, I, I think a guy on here like 
a couple weeks ago said that. It's like I, I was a Christian. I grew up, and then I was an atheist. I was telling everyone all these Christians said I was never a Christian, and then something happened in my life, blah blah blah. And now I realize I actually never was a Christian, and now I am. Praise Jesus. So I mean, so Nate. Yeah. When somebody says, I read the Bible and it made me an atheist, the thing that they're pointing at is how many Christians don't read their Bible. Like they were trying to be a good Christian and they read the Bible and they were confronted by things that they couldn't reconcile. That's not the same as saying, like, I'm not a Christian because I read the Bible. I'll take that. Usually I hear it in the context of like, you know, there's like so many contradictions or so many things we, quote, know can't happen or can't occur and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure your point is fair as well. So I'll, I'll take that. Well, like while nobody else is interrupting, I just want to say like, you know, something that I witnessed in this room a couple of days ago was somebody, they were talking about like the objective meanings of the Bible versus the subjective and like to not like read into our own subjective thing. And, uh, like the person who like affirmed how valuable that message was is, is a flat earther. Like, and you moved on from it very gracefully, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up because like that points at the thing that we're talking about, finding conflicts in the Bible that can't reconcile things that don't add up like with what we know about the natural world. You're supposed to flat earther. Wait, you're talking about the flat earth thing, right? No, the, the conversation wasn't about flat earth. It was about the objective truth of the Bible. And the person affirming it is a flat earther. Right, Ooh. but the thing you said um, couldn't be – like whatever you said, like if you're saying like the things we know can exist, if, if you're talking about the flat earth, I'd say, well, yeah, but that's not a problem for the Bible. That's a problem for the guy that believes the Bible says the earth is flat. So, I mean, you, you've got theists who disagree about this. So I would say, no, like we, we know the earth can't be flat. And I'd say, yeah, and the Bible also doesn't say the earth is flat. Just because someone else says the Bible says the earth is flat, well, consider what's happening. That's like three degrees of Kevin Bacon. You don't have the Bible saying the earth is flat. You have someone else telling you their interpretation of the Bible is the earth is flat. And I'd say that's a problem with them, not the Bible. I mean, we, we, I mean, and then it's, you know, it's like, well, which Christian is right? My word, their word. Like, I mean, of course, I would go back to the Hebrew. I'd go to Blue Litter Bible and, you know, sure that, you know, talk when it talks about the circle of the earth. Uh, you know, the original word can mean like sphere. And I'd say, there you go. The earth is round. But then they'll use their, you know, evidence to say otherwise. So it's going to be like a he said, he said, she said, or whatever. But that that's my stance. So just consider the source. Like if someone says, you know, the Bible says the earth is flat. Well, does it really? I would say no. Uh, well, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so, so Roy was a, a mod in this room for a long time. And he held that the, Grand Canyon was evidence for the flood. So clearly he doesn't believe in a local flood since local would be like the Near East, right? Like that, that doesn't conform to anything that we understand about the natural world. There is no flood geology. Not even in a Christian university can you study flood, flood geology. You don't well, have, that's, like that's you, not you're true. Feeling, like you're just appealing if, to if like you can find a Christian university music. that teaches flood geology, I will buy you a coffee. Calvin's Theological Seminary, it's um, one. But like, you're arguing for like this uh, naturalistic take. I would what? like to see the course. You would like to see the course. Yeah, like I'm not interested in flood apologetics. I said flood geology. Yeah. 
so so there are yeah there are places that teach geology from a christian point of view um you know th there's not a course going to be named flood geology it's just going to be called geology yeah so like the people that are out like looking for oil right like they don't use like bible seminary college to go look for oil who cares what does that have to do with whether the flood was local or global well it has to do with like whether or not we can glean anything useful from the bible about the natural world that's not like the bible isn't a science textbook that's not the point it has interesting facts about the natural world but it's not a science textbook Thank you, you the philo like philosophy of nature well, yeah, no, but I mean, the well, point well, is never on, the point has never been that the Bible is some science textbook. It's a supernatural guide to the world. Well, hang on, there's a couple of things we're getting away from. Not, I, yeah, I just, I, I just think Jamesy is being like dishonest by assuming like the Christian claim is the Bible is the guide to the natural world. Like we're not claiming it's a science textbook. Yeah, that's well, that's why I just want to keep us on track. Well, hang, hang on, I just want to keep us on track. So it was it was wasn't whatever was just said. It was. Um, things we quote know cannot happen and, and i'd say as far as the miracles we can't say that we can say as far as science knows which science won't speak to the supernatural we'll say we don't have a way to test for that so we can't say we know these supernatural events can't happen and then as far as the claims about natural stuff that we would say we know can't happen um would be things like you know maybe maybe james would say the flood um or like evolution or something like that would be these natural things the bible talks about in very broad terms that, say, that they would say, well, naturally, we, quote, know this can't happen. And I would say at that point, I mean, there's a Christian answer for everyone. Like, you'll have, you know, a spectrum of Christians, so we can't we can't rightly discount the Bible. We can discount maybe different Christians. So if they say, we know the earth isn't flat, okay, well, discount the Christians who say that. Don't discount the Bible because the Bible doesn't say that. And it's, it's like a battle of interpretations we, quote, know can't happen more than what the Bible says. So like, you know, even evolution, like we we're talking about, it's like, look, the Bible just makes the ultimate claim that God created a man with a soul. Science cannot speak to that, doesn't do souls, um, at least not yet. There's no way to test. Um, so it says God created Adam and Eve with souls. So as far as anything else, you can mix and match all kinds of stuff that the Bible doesn't speak to. And then you, you wouldn't have a proper standing to say, we know the Bible is wrong because of this. Well, well no, you, you can't rightly do that. You can say these people's interpretations of the Bible are wrong. Um, so I would say that would be my caution. So the Bible, whether providence from on high or just an amazing coincidence, just says like the very basic broad things we need, uh, like God created man and woman uh, with these souls. So then if there's some other way people can like mix and match that and go with, like hybrid ape animals with no souls, I don't know. But the Bible didn't even address that. So that's that's all I would say is just keep in mind what the Bible actually says versus what people read into it and say it says. I, I do know Mari. Mary, Mari has been up here for a while. I wanted to see if they had anything to say. Uh, good morning. Yeah, I had a good question morning. that's pretty much unrelated to to what y'all are talking about, I guess, but um, maybe not um, with what was just mentioned about soul. Um, I I had a series of wild dreams that did not seem to relate to each other, and yet there seemed to be a flow. Um, but I woke up with the recurring thought, the recurring feeling that the the person, the, the awareness that I have coming into wakefulness 
is not necessarily the same as the one yesterday or the day before. And so it's kind of like a, a question of interchangeability of souls entering into, because of the, because of how much is so unknown about where we go when we sleep. Um, I, I, this, this is plausible to me. Um, I don't think that I only see it in myself or am aware of it in myself. I see it in my cats that are very close to me, um, that they're not necessarily the same people, if you will. We're not necessarily, I'm not necessarily the same person. My beliefs are, I mean, everything about me is in a way sort of, sort of fixed by the, the parameters of my body, my bed, my, you know, these kinds of the, the so-called concrete things that I have awakened into, but there is, there are within parameters, there's always still room for, for difference. So I, I just wondered um, if anybody wanted to try that on and, and, and float, float an answer. See, see if it, see if it, see if it makes sense. So is it, you think, because of the soul that let's just use your cats uh, when your cats, they, they are one way when they go to bed and other times when they wake up, they seemingly are a, a different thing, like a different soul or a different thing behind the eyes. Is that correct? Slightly. It kind of almost uh, like, uh, like, like a discovery, like a discovery of like, Oh, Oh, you're here. <laughs> um, so if I sort of understand it, uh, like for my own self, um, if I understand your question, I would say, you know, there have been times where I've maybe felt, a, I don't know, maybe a little different or off or whatever, but I don't know, consider that the tacos I ate before the night before, or, you know, brain fog in the morning or something. But um, through the totality of my 40 something years on earth, um, I believe I'm the same person now as, you know, the memories best I can recall from when I was a kid as early as I can recall all through my life. So if I would have had moments uh, of what you may be talking about where you feel slightly different or off kilter, um, I would be much more just anecdotally um, inclined to call that, uh, you know, some biochemical reaction or some food or some brain fog or something like that, because I always seem to snap out of it. And, you know, 40 years later, um, I, I can tell you with as certain as I can be certain that I'm the same guy now that, you know, I same soul that I always have been. Um, that's just my experience. Um, so I guess all I have to base that on is antidote and subjectivity. Um, but then biblically speaking, um, you know, Sorry, there, there's anecdote, uh -huh. not antidote, anecdote, anecdotally. Thank you. That's kind of like when people say irregardless. I guess right. everyone has their pet peeves, right? It's kind of like fentanyl, too. Hang on. Wait. Fentanyl, right? Because people say fentanyl. It's fentanyl, right? Uh, <laughs> okay. So, anecdotally. Anecdotally. Um, that's my answer. Anecdotally. So, well, biblically you. speaking. Yep. Thank you for offering. You're welcome. Happy to oblige. Um, biblically speaking, I think, you know, like in Ecclesiastes, you see some of the stuff, like, where it talks about a soul and whenever you see about Adam and Eve, like the Bible doesn't explicitly address it in the positive, but it, it through like omission, 
there's no reason to think that would that would change. So if you put any stock in the Bible or my anecdotes, um, I think I may have said that wrong again. Anyways, um, <laughs> no, I mean well. <laughs> I, I I know I know how I know it's. Don't worry, keep going. Yeah. I, I, anyways, I mean well. Um, but biblically speaking, there's no reason to think it would be other anything other than we get one soul, and that soul is eternally us. So whatever we are now is what we always have been, is what we always will be. Um, so anyways, there is my uh, answer with the word I keep messing up, and there's also the biblical answer as best as it talks about. Does anyone else want to take a crack at that? Thanks. Or you go ahead and respond, Mari. No, um, thanks. That's that's valid. Thank you. And Yeah, anybody else, please. I mean, Chris, I would love to do what Chris says. Are you, do you think maybe when you're sleeping, you could be like swapping souls with your cats? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I, oh, okay. I, 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 I think know. there's some, just... I think there's some plausibility of, of, of disappearing into the, the oneness, which is why, which explains for me why in my dreams, I'm not always me. I'm not always, you know, female. I'm not always, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm a fly on the wall. Sometimes I'm, I'm another person. What what is it what is it like to be not female? What is it like to be not female? Um, I don't know. You could probably answer that best, I guess. Well, I mean, I mean in, I your, can, in your dreams, right? In your dreams, or what? Like, like you're when your dreams? You, you, you say yeah, you I mean, in I I I mean, I I had a dream, uh, you know, of being a murderer. I mean, I've I've had all kinds of dreams. I've had all kinds of dreams. I mean, um, I would maybe change and I, your diet. I don't know if that's unusual or not, but um, yeah, I mean, in in this this goes back many many years, um, and I I tend to write them down. Um, but I had written down a dream that my I I think I put my father's head on a plate, and in the refrigerator, and like went in and grabbed some grapes, and it was like it was no big deal. I had. Because I I also often remember emotions and and thoughts, so I'm I'm it's like I'm embodying that person or whatever is that is the case may be. Okay, um, I yeah, yeah. I, I thought I had you, but then I lost you again. But uh, um, okay, so I thought you were going to say it wasn't like you changed souls, like like you wouldn't say you've changed souls now. Like you, this is just for your dream, right? So like I thought you were going to say like you would say you are the Mari now you've always been. But sometimes you like switch souls in your dream state. Uh, is that is that correct? Which, I guess, but it also makes okay. me think: like, do I come out the same per Mari that I was yesterday? No, I don't okay. feel that I do. I don't feel okay, that so I do. Okay, so it was. Okay, so it was the first thing, and then I thought you were going to say like you you thought maybe you switched souls and like could kind of experience another soul, but then you you said the father's head on a plate. So if if your father, no one actually put your father's head on a plate. I guess that wouldn't have happened. So there wouldn't be a real soul you did because that never happened to your father. Um, so, okay. Yeah. So and, I, and I, I guess it whole, is like, like parallel, parallel universes and, and, you know, multiple multiverse. And I mean, all of those things I have not, I have not ruled out. I see. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I guess my first answer, um, I, I was correct the first time in what I thought. So yeah, I mean, that, my first answer, I'll just stick with that. Um, if anyone else wants to say anything quickly, I am going to have to run, though.
I appreciate the question. It's interesting. It's definitely not one we, we get a lot. But if anything, like instead of my cat switching souls, they would try to eat mine. But um, yeah, Chris, you want to say I something? I think they already took a few nibbles. Um, <laughs> That's why I can't say the A word right. Right, yeah. I'm yeah. never going to say it again. I'm going to have a complex about that. Thanks, Mari. You should. Yeah. Anecdote. So. <laughs> anecdote. Anecdote. I promise five yeah. minutes from now, yeah. I'll mess it up again. 30, no, no, I don't got it. 30 seconds from now, I'll mess it up again. He's I'm like, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to thanks, thanks for doing this. This is, <laughs> this is a gift of your time. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I happened to, to come into this room. Well, we are grateful for you being here. Today is a, yeah. today is a fun day. I like the discussion. It's a good day. Yeah. So, so, so somebody in the audience was asking, what is the oneness? Is this like a, a Jungian concept of kind of the the universality of soul is this yeah. is this kind of where you're coming from or yeah like the hive mind yeah not unrelated oh. i mean read carl we, we, that, that we are all connected and and that and that each of each of these distinctive these are all avatars of the oneness that makes that does it makes sense to me, and it, it's not. I don't know. It somehow is not diametrically opposed to Jesus or, you know, the the the, which is not. I mean, Jesus is the model for me, uh, the model of the best human. And why would I not want to follow Jesus? Why would I not want to follow the model of the best human? Yeah, I think that Jungian concepts of, you know, a, a shared consciousness are interesting. Not real sure that maybe Jamesy can, he knows more about psychology than I do, I think. Um, maybe elucidate more on this, or I wish Michael were here. Yeah, I, I was only passively paying attention, but I just wanted to say The Imitation of Christ is one of the last books I read as a Christian. Like I, I actually kind of find the idea of like imitation to lack authenticity. I don't know if I'd. Okay. I mean, that could be a conclusion, but I, I don't, don't know, know if that why, would be the why conclusion. You follow a good example, as in we don't have a lot of information. Of, of really, truly, we're not. I'm not trying to duplicate, replicate. That would be inauthentic. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to explore what it's like to live in modern day trying to be to my the best of my ability which is imperfect as the as the best human being on record i don't get yeah that that to me just seems like smart yeah so like when you're talking about like improvement psychology like sometimes you want to like manifest a better version of yourself and kind of imagine what the better version of yourself would look like and then just start behaving as such. Like if that's kind of what you're talking about, like I could see that falling in line with uh, like imitating Christ. Like that would be the the goal. That makes sense. And and do it now. Do it now in 21st century where we have clubhouse and technology and guns out the wazoo. Do it now. I mean, I, I agree that Jesus was a leftist, but I, I don't think he actually would have been into guns. I think he would have been surrounded by people with guns. 
<laughs> I would <laughs> I would say when we try to put our uh, you know 2023 political ideology on a guy 2,000 years ago in a different uh, geopolitical climate, um, I think that that fails. Um, you know, in in as nice of a way as I can put that. Um, but I I would humbly disagree. But I, for his time, right? Well, again, putting our political ideology of what progressive means and then transposing that over, you know, Christ 2000 years ago with Roman occupation in Israel, I would say that that also um, is not going to be the correct understanding. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm going to say fortunately, um, I, I do have to go like this is longer than I usually stay, but be back tomorrow or wait, today's Friday, be back Monday. Um, everyone have an awesome weekend. Glad we got to have this discussion today. And glad I get to talk to you, James. I always appreciate it when you do get to speak. Yeah, it's been good. Thanks for the room. And Mari, good to meet you. And uh, Aviana, Chris, Saint. Oh, yeah, and apparently if you guys see a little ticket, uh, that means you need to follow this club because Clubhouse can't leave things alone and keeps changing things. So now I guess the best way to find this no, room is to, to follow this. No, you invite them. It's not okay, well, you now. Like, you have to do an invite now. You mean you can't, like, request it? Or you can't, like, go request it? Nope. No. Okay, so you well. invite Nate, people to your club. Uh, you actually want to be a little bit selective about that because we're going to occupy the lounge when you're not here. So you probably want to pick people that you actually want to hang out in your house. So, like, so the lounge is, like, a thing people can go to anytime and there's no, like, disabling the lounge or anything? Correct. I'm aware of. Oh, thanks, Clubhouse. You just make my life better. Okay, any or, or maybe to like to ask a Christian, like the lounge hey, is just like an absolute cesspool. The, did you guys see when and, the Satanists <laughs> and the atheists took over the Ask a Christian lounge? We did it this morning before they started the room. <laughs> Nate didn't even know. Nate yeah, I was like starting a room. Hijacked. I know. I was like trying to start my own room, and I saw it, and then I saw like people in the the Ask a Christian lounge. I'm like, what is that? And they're like, it's your lounge. I'm like, I'm not even in my lounge. I'm over here in my room. And then people finally figured it out. I'm like, come on, Clubhouse. You're doing nothing but complicate my life. Anyways, have an awesome weekend, guys. <laughs> Catch you later. Let's go to the lounge, everybody. <laughs> oh, boy.